This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. All right, we're back for more here on a Tuesday edition. Chomping at the bit here. We're with you for the next three hours right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. Got a lot going on today. Got a big week here. Got a big week. And I'm pumped about it. You know how it goes. 694-1055. Hit us up the app. WNSP.com. Lee Trevanian, go! You make it sound like we're in a horse race chomping at the bit. Yeah. All right. We do Down have a lot. No, but you're right. We come. do have a lot to talk about. We got high school uh, action starting up Thursday and Friday games. We've got game days out at Fairhope. It, it is so. We got uh, we got Florida Gators tonight. We got Bishop Sycamore later this week. Why can't it be this oh. afternoon? Why can't I watch it this afternoon? You can do whatever you want. I'm Lee. going to. You're going to do it anyway. Yes, I am going to do it. I'm going to not wait till tonight. In fact. I might just bring it up on my computer during your scoreboards here. Oh, you do say. that. All right. Um, now I lost my trend of thought. Oh, so I was talking <laughs> to the Fairhope coach, Tim Carter, and you know what's really nice to, to hear? Can't wait till you guys come out. I love it. I can't, you know, when somebody like that, it makes it all worthwhile, even though it's a little bit of a distance for us in the morning. What you got? I'm so, watching it. <laughs> Great. Don't hey, don't let don't let us interfere with your uh, TV watching. All right, you just take it easy, do whatever you want. So you'll probably have it all on al.com before the show's over. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, that's what I thought. So it was so nice to hear Tim Carter say, "Look, you know, we're so anxious to have you guys out here, and it's been a while." So you know, that's that's really good. Same thing with Baker on Friday. But you know, we have a we have a bunch of headlines. Uh, I'll, I'll skim through them because I wanted to get to one. St- story in particular which caught my attention this morning you know Jim Harbaugh again he's kind of getting boring now he's going to sit out the three first three games not the four this is self-imposed by Michigan certainly will not be an issue I'm sure because they don't have a very difficult uh, early season schedule they w- he will be back for the Rutgers game <laughs> good for him Ooh, Rutgers yeah. is gonna get the, the Scarlet Knights Ooh, I would not want to be that team they're gonna Michigan's gonna be ticked off but I was uh, here's what I wanted to get to because talking heads and and there seems to be this and you may disagree which you will the prevailing atmosphere at Auburn is that this may be a better season than anticipated going you know with the coaching change and everything you know you may have said well Auburn be lucky to go six and six but with all the news coming out of there and it seems everything is going in the right direction you know there maybe the some of the talking heads are like eight and four seven and five and who knows maybe even nine and three although I really haven't heard that so this morning as I go to Saturday down south every day they come out with the ESPN predictor for how the season is going to go and I was really surprised to see that they had Auburn favored by only six of the 12 games. Huge favorite against UMass. Huge favorite against Samford. Huge favorite against New Mexico State. But other than that, Mark, and the one that surprised me at Cal, less than 50%, meaning Cal would be a favorite to beat Auburn. They have them, but the, and then you jump ahead to Texas A&M, and even though it's on the road, this ESPN evaluator has Auburn at seventy-three point four percent to win the game. 
And I'm like, no, wait a minute. I know, I know this, you know, Texas A&M did not have a really good year last year, but California being only 44%, California is not, a, as we've been told, not a very, very good team. And I would think most people would think that Auburn would have a really good shot at winning. So some of this stuff surprised me. At LSU, Auburn's only given a 14% chance to win against Georgia, less than 12%. Alabama, just about 11%. So there's a better chance that Auburn beats Georgia, albeit a very small one, than, than it is to beat Alabama. Exactly. According to the ESPN, pro, uh, what they call PFI uh, evaluator, Arkansas, only 35.5%. It's a surprise. So basically, if you go by this, you're looking at 6-6 six and six at the best. Well, I do think... And this is going to sound a little strange, especially this early in the morning. I do think Auburn is going to be vastly improved. I think you can be an improved team and an improved program and your record not show it. I guarantee you that Auburn fans will feel better after this season than they did after last season. Well, that's because there's not going to be a coaching change either. No, but people wanted a coaching change last year. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Regardless of whether there was or there wasn't, people wanted Harson out. They didn't like the way he recruited or didn't recruit. They didn't like the offense. They didn't like the type of players. They didn't like the way he practiced. They didn't like anything about Brian Harson. Yeah, but when you get a coaching change, you also have so much drama. Remember, it was Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin this. And then it moved on. It is better to know what you have, what you have coming back, and it certainly helps recruiting. And, you know, Hugh Freeze got another Four star, although no, not until no, 2025. If but. they hadn't gotten rid of Harson, if they decided to stick with him, Auburn fans wouldn't have been happy because they knew what they were getting. They knew no, what they were wait, getting wait. recruiting. Harson was gone in midseason. We're not even talking I'm about just that. Saying, but what I'm saying is if he would have stayed, there's no way they would have been happy with it. There was no way. Right. You're right. But he, he wasn't going to stay. At the end, it was Carnell Williams coaching the team. What I'm saying is at least when you go into a season knowing who your head coach is and who's going to be there for another year or two, you have a you know better, let's say, more optimism because recruiting is going to be smoother, transfer portal is going to be smoother. And on that subject, I was checking out USA Today, and they have listed the so-called hot seat coaches, and there are two from the SEC. Care to guess? Pretty easy. Jimbo Fisher. And... Hmm. I'm trying to run down. It's a little early. I'm going down all the... the um, One is definitely Jimbo. How about Napier? No. Hmm. Now, Mark, I'm not saying he isn't. They don't have him on their list. He could be on your list. I don't think it's Beamer in South Carolina. It can't be Beamer. Uh, it's not Beamer bought though. himself some time beating Clemson. Stoops. No. Uh, uh, how about Drinkwitz? Drinkwitz? Yeah. He's on the hot seat. Did I guess both yeah. of them, Lee? Well, it took a while, but yes. <laughs> After you named about six. I didn't name six. I thought about them. Well, I Mark, named two. Mark threw some names I out there, so I got confused. I was, I was, I was two trying for to, two. I was trying to walk through it. I was yeah. trying to. I, I, I probably would have guessed We Napier. also on that list is a coach who once dropped in to see us in person, Neil Brown. Yeah. West Virginia, remember Neil? Oh, yeah. Someone put Saban in the app. Uh, Brent Venables. Hey, speaking of uh, Oklahoma coming in, another story. This has been out before, so this is not brand new. Greg Sankey, in an interview with Chris Lowe of ESPN, says when they meet next week, the FBS commissioners, don't be surprised if we don't reevaluate the 12-team 
college football playoff format because of the breakup of the Pac-12. Not meaning that they're going to change the amount of teams. Just the automatic bids. Uh, yeah, you want to continue? I hear a voice in my headset. Is that? That's Mr. Bronner, yes. Bronner, okay. Yeah, well, he looked at it like, um, look, we have the 12 teams. I don't think that will change. But instead of, let's say, automatics here or automatics there, conference championships, and because everything changes in 2024, would there be an automatic for what could be a non-existent Pac-12? So he said, expect changes. He said, there's changes coming anyway. And he kind of alluded to maybe realignment and so forth. But his, the, the strength of the interview was about, look, let's see what we're going to do to reevaluate, reexamine the 12-team format. Well, I think this is uh, good news for... I'm trying to think who this is most uh, advantageous for. I would say Group of Five, but Group of Five is always going to get the short end of the stick. I just think we're going to add another SEC oh, team to the playoffs. There we go. But how about Group of Four? Could, it's going to be down to four, right? If the Pac-12 dissolves or goes out to the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, I think I think that probably means. But I still think that means more power fours get in. More of the power schools are going to get yeah. in. It, or as many are going to get but, in. It's just going to be from the same. But even if they add teams. Are they going to be considered a power five? If you bring, let's say, SMU in, if you bring, and I'm just using this hypothetically, right. if you bring in San Diego State, if you bring in uh, a couple of other programs, is it really considered a power five? Do they should they get an automatic bid? See that that's what we're that's what he's alluding to. Where you're going to go with the Pac-12 dwindling down to four teams, and you know, with the Big Ten increasing, and obviously the Big Twelve. As far as the automatics. Right. No, I, I, I think if somehow the Pac-12 survives, and I don't think it will, but if, let's say hypothetically it does, I think it automatically loses its Power 5 status. I agree. I mean, there's no way you could make an argument that the Pac-12, even before they got gutted, they were hanging on by a, a thread as far as their Power 5 status. Like, I don't know what the rules are. It, like, you know, you talk about unwritten baseball rules. I don't know what the unwritten college football rules about your conference being a power of status, having power status. Like, it seems to me you got to have a certain number of teams. Uh, you have to have a certain what, – what, let's play commissioner for a day. What would be the requirements for any conference? Let's just make a conference up. The, the WNSP big, conference. The, the WNSP conference. We have a footprint from here to the West Coast. What requirements are needed to maintain a power status? I think uh, a steady board op. We would need. You obviously you need a certain number of teams, but that that's that's ridiculous because. Getting a number. No, but, you have to have enough teams to at least have a championship right, game. Right, but, but what? But what? But you group of fives have that. So what is it that a? Let's put it a different way. How does a group of five conference 
elevate itself to a power status? Like, what is? Do you have to? Do you have to have so many championships in football? Do you have to have so many championships over several sports? You know what, Mark? Or is there a revenue media rights? I deal? think it's a media revenues deal. I don't see. It's not like you can wake up in the morning and say, okay, we're a Power 5 team. I think you have to have, as you said, a media rights fee. I think you've got to have teams that crack the top 25. But I think it's a long way coming for the teams that are not there now. I think by 2024, I don't even think the Pac-12 should be considered in the same breath as the Big Ten, the Big 12, and I hope they change their names. And I'm wondering about the ACC now, too. So what comes first, a Power 5 team or a Power 5 conference? Can you be a Power 5 team in a group of five conferences? I don't think you can be. Be a Power 5 team. But can you be... Let's say Tulane, like they're a preseason. Let's say they finish in the top 20 for a couple of years. They become a more power five team than their conference it's, it's kind of like the whole blue blood conversation in college basketball how do you become a blue blood winning championship but how many like that's the thing like like lee said a couple years in in if two years if tulane were to win two conference championships they would probably maybe go, they would get, probably go to the big 12 but with, but I, I don't think i'd ever consider them a power five school you would if they went to the big 12 but do we consider a lot of those Big 12 schools Power 5 schools, even though technically they are? No. I mean, no one's saying, not right look now, out, they got Iowa State this week. Oh, they, no. They can't even get into the Final Four, but when that thing expands to the 12. So when you, they, get, to the, what, when you get to the TCU just played for a national championship. What are you talking about? They can't get into the Final Four. I had a brain lock on that one. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate you. <laughs> really inter- appreciate your third interruption in this segment. Well. Wow. I'm not going to let you know, ridiculousness slide by. And here I was going to have a football-related question on the Chick-fil-A to appease him. I think uh, I'm going back to baseball. Do what you want. I am. All right. Well, everybody's getting along today, so this ought to be a good one. By the way, got a uh, great— uh, you know, for, We didn't think he'd be this mouthy coming from the afternoon show, but he certainly has. Did I miss something? Wow. I never heard him interrupt. I mean, interrupt. I'm going for I, like 12 hours, people. I, I come never, back in and— I never heard him interrupt Corey. Never. Well, when you're talking about Alabama football and Coach Nick Saban, you're talking about tradition. (laughs) All right. That was my problem. I wasn't talking Alabama, and he got all upset with me. Man, just bringing the fire. Good thing there's a glass between you two. You would think guys from New Jersey could get along. Oh, that never happens, Mark. Uh, Ray Nelson's going to join us, the coach over at Blunt. It'll be at 6.30. Uh, Travis Ryer talks some Alabama at 7. Ross Jackson, assuming he uh, he hears the phone ring, will join us at 7.30, talk some Saints. Looking forward to talking to Ronnie Brown. Uh, fingers crossed, yeah. Let's see if we can catch up with him. He's really fast, so we may not be able to. And then uh, I'm assuming that's Richie Riley, unless he's got a twin brother named Ricky. Richie Riley set to join us, the South Alabama basketball coach. He's early. He's early this week. We have to because of the change, the fact we're going to be on the road Thursday and Friday and things have been shifted around. Ah. All right. Well, we'll talk to the South Alabama basketball coach coming up at 830 today. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. We are off and running. It's a Tuesday edition. Hey, this is Jimmy Ripple from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. 
625, welcome back in. The opening kickoff. Mark Lee Bronner. Sly was the kicker. Sly? Sly. Okay. He kicked the game-winning field goal for Washington, beating the Ravens. Nine seconds to go. I want to tell you about Dr. Christopher Mullinex and Dr. Aaron Wallander. They're located at 715 Downtowner Boulevard. Recently voted 2023 Best Oral Surgeon in Mobile. I would certainly agree to that. I've been there many times. I highly recommend going there if you need any kind of oral surgery, dental implants, wisdom teeth, jaw surgery, and it goes on and on and on. Located at 715 Downtowner Boulevard, you do not need a referral. You can even give them a call without anybody telling you to, although I recommend it. Give them a call at uh, 471-3381, probably same-day appointment. He does his surgery in the morning. If you have any issues, he can see you in the afternoon. That's happened to me many, many times over the years. Really appreciate everything Dr. Christopher Mullenix has done for me with my seven or eight, I've lost count, uh, dental implants. And let me also thank uh, Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery. They will be our title sponsor once again. For game day. Do they still have, uh, I guess they have like jackets or files. I guess they still have physical files. Probably a lot of it's in the computer. They probably don't have to look for yours alphabetically. They just look for the biggest freaking file folder they well, can find. Well, not only that, that I was very They're Shervanians. Yeah, the last time I went there, I thought they'd have my nameplate on one of the rooms. I thought I, one of the rooms was being named after me, and I couldn't see it. The Shervanian suite. I've actually had a person go in there and ask for it. Um. Uh, I know we only got a minute. We're going to need more time on this, but we need to mention what's going on um, with the um, Spain's soccer president. It's funny. Who is, I guess, apologized, kind of apologized for kissing the uh, World Cup star, the women's World Cup star. He was uh, on the ceremony after they beat England one nothing. So he was making the round, shaking, I guess, shaking hands, and he got to Swapping Hermo spit. Yeah, Sorry. Hermosa got to Hermoso, <laughs> the star. And kissed her on the lips. This got immediate feedback. First of all, she said she didn't appreciate it. Hermosa said, I mean, the, uh, the head of uh, Spain soccer said, hey, what's the big deal? You know, we're friends. And then came the feedback. And he. this is what really got him to the hot water, too. He said anybody who criticized him for kissing uh, Hermoso is an idiot. Mm. Now he's apologized. Well... Well, she doesn't look all that comfortable because he literally grabs her by the head, like not the not the face, but like from the like grab the back of her head. Yeah, it's not when a good said, look. When he said we're friends, like what are we talking about here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're that kind of friend. Yeah, what? How friendly are you? She didn't appreciate it. He didn't think it was a big deal. Obviously, the public thought it was. It's uh, it was kind of cringe. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. It was very cringe. Ball headed older guy kissing World Cup. I mean, if that were a guy, if it wait, were wait, reversed, wait. Kissing, kissing if the a president guy? was a female and the, oh, and the, and a guy? And the soccer player was a guy, would, would he, he would he ha would she have to apologize? Depends probably on how much feedback there was. I bet she. I bet you she wouldn't. I bet you this would be a completely different story. Probably, but again, it it depends on the social media feedback. Because mm. this guy got ripped. Well, I hope it's worth it there. Whatever your name is, Mr. President, Mr. Former President, could run for political office. That guy.
All right, we're going to talk some high school football next. Ray Nelson, Blunt Coach, stay with us. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. 6.32 and we're giving you fried deliciousness this early? I cannot believe it, Lee Trevanian. Well, we're so crowded. I cannot believe my ears. We are just so crowded today, Mark, as you know. Uh, We have a lot of voices coming on today. And to heed the advice of our newcomer in the morning show who's been on my case about a football question, I acquiesced. And we're going to have one. I, I felt it the said pressure. Something once. Yeah, I, I felt the pressure. It, it's I've been really been on the case. It has. He's been gnawing away at me, sending me text messages, uh, threatening messages. So no, that's me stealing his phone. That, that's not him. That's that was me. I borrowed his phone. The threatening part. We'll give it back. Give okay. it back. All right. What do you got for the folks? Will Rogers, the uh, quarterback for Mississippi State. He's got a lot of records, as you know, as he enters. I believe this is his final year. He's been there for a while. And he is very close to setting the SEC correct career record for passing yardage. I think he's uh, about 25, 2,400 yards away. All you have to do is call Michael, say hello, be nice to him, 694 1055 and tell them who holds the record for SEC passing yardage. All right. Sounds easy enough. It is. Or it's topical. It's football related. It's football related. I just wanted to make Michael happy. This is a big week for him, debuting as our voice of high school football. Speaking about high school football, a guy who threw a lot of passing yardage when he was here in Mobile, quarterbacking Theodore, my good friend Ray Nelson, now at Blunt. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Good morning, Mr. Lee. Mr. Ray, are you doing all right? I'm doing great, man. Sitting here in the parking lot of Blunt High School, excited to start another school day. All right, let me ask you, when you were at, you were at Samford, right? Yes, sir. Didn't you set a lot of passing records? Uh, I did at the time. I mean, that was many moons ago, uh, but at my time there, I did set a couple passing records, and, and now I'm sure those have been uh, crushed, um, blown out the water by the quarterbacks they brought in over the last couple of years. Do you have a quarterback on the Blunt team that can compete with you throwing the football? Uh, we have two of them. We have two of them that I feel really good about. Um, and that just means throwing the football right now. I mean, probably half of my roster can throw the ball better than I can right now. <laughs> I'm not buying into that, Ray. I'm not buying into that <laughs> at all. All right, the, the issues, the weather. Worst heat we've had and who knows. How are you dealing with it? Uh, obviously, keeping the kids hydrated. Uh, we, we've extended our water breaks. Uh, we've had more frequent breaks at practice. Uh, when we break, we'll, we make sure all the kids move to the shade tree line. Uh, we let them take off the shoulder pads and helmets, take a knee. Um, coaches get with them. That's our time. We use that time to meet, uh, go over the practice script and practice schedule before we get back out on the field. Uh, it's tough on these young men right now. I mean, it, it's extremely hot out here. Uh, you know, it's, it's humid. Uh, but the kids are pushing through. They're battling. Uh, and I can't be more proud of them. Were your coaches as kind to you and your Theodore teammates as you are to Blunt when you were playing? Uh, not then, man. I mean, the times have changed. You know, uh, as coaches, we've got to be conscious or, or more conscious about the uh, the health of our student-athletes uh, than it was back in the day. 
Um, and also, I mean, there's more pressure in this job. I mean, these kids are probably more trained than we were. Uh, when we were playing high school ball, man, you had June and July off, and you came back August 1st and got back to work. These kids now, man, they, we train year-round, June, July. Uh, so their bodies are more acclimated to the heat. Uh, they're used to training and working out and doing strength and conditioning. So I think they're more equipped to handle the heat and the conditions uh, as we were as players back in the day. Coach Markheim, thanks for jumping aboard with us, man. Uh, I know earlier uh, this summer during media days, you talked about this school rebranding or this program. What, what do you mean by rebranding? Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of it's twofold. Uh, actually, you know, this is a tradition-rich um, school, tradition-rich job as it comes to athletics. Um, so when we mean rebrand, I mean, we're coming off back-to-back uh, -back three and seven seasons where we missed the playoffs here at Maddie T. Blunt. Uh, so the rebrand would just mean, like, hey, we have enough talent here. We don't have to rebuild. We have enough in the building. Uh, let's change the way we do things. Let's pull together. Let's work together towards a, tr a common goal. Uh, so that's what the rebrand is. Well, let's change the way we look, change the way we act, change the way we talk, uh, you know, make football a priority in everything we do day to day uh, of how we approach a day. Um, and I think the kids have bought in. I know the community's bought in. Um, and just being a new coach, you know, at a new school, anytime you can change the color scheme, change the uh, the uniforms, a different helmet, uh, just bring some life to the program, I think it's easy for everyone to rally behind that. Ray Nelson joining us, first-year head coach, Blunt. How many showed up? How many got on the roster now? Uh, we had 100-plus kids, man. Uh, we had 100-plus kids. We had great turnout and attendance all summer long. Um, and, again, I think we have a lot of kids. You know, uh, our principal, Mr. Woods, always talk about Blunt being a school of choice. So we have so many newcomers that come in and, and, and want to attend Blunt. Uh, we probably have four or five ninth graders every day that come up and it and shows interest in football. So we continue to grow, but we have we have at least 95 guys that have been uh, rolling with us all summer long, uh, competing and training. So we feel confident. Uh, like I tell these guys all the time, man, this is the largest group of kids as far as players that I've ever had as, as a head coach. And, uh, and and I'm just blown away at the attention to detail and the, and the willingness to want to compete on a daily basis. One of the questions I, I really wanted to get to, you opened with Viger, obviously a, a super game to begin with. The game was originally scheduled for Viger High School, moved to Ladd, obviously to accommodate the crowd and, and make a few more dollars Saturday evening. I wanted to get your take on that, and do you feel it's to Blunt's advantage to have that game moved to Ladd rather than open up at Viger? Um, I don't think there's an advantage either way on where we play. Um, I think playing at Viger at the new stadium on Wilson Avenue or playing at Ladd, um, I think both fan bases are going to be fired up wherever the game is going to be played. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. Um, but for me personally, man, I think it's what better way to have your first game as, as, a, as a head coach at Mattatee Blunt than to play in Viger Blunt game. I've never attended the Battle of Pritchard, obviously, but always been a, a player or coach somewhere else. So for my first participation in a game of that magnitude to be uh, leading the Lepers out, is, I mean, it's huge. So um, you guys, I mean, it's been written in articles on AL.com. It's one of the biggest states, uh, games in the state. Um, and it's an annual matchup. You know, it's not one of those games that's a fourth-round playoff game. It's just big because it's, it's a chance to go to a state championship. This game is huge every year. Uh, we put we continuously play on loop the old Viger Blunt matchups where our kids are lifting weights and training so everybody can see and get active to how big this game is going to be. Uh, and we're fired up and ready to go. You know, you, you mentioned uh, the principal, Jerome Woods. I've never met a man that is a, uh, a bigger proponent and supporter of high school athletics, not just at Blunt, 
but in the area than that man. He and and not only that, I'm pretty sure he'd get out there and knock heads with. If you gave him shoulder pads and a helmet, I bet he'd get out there and knock uh, knock helmets with some kids and probably uh, do pretty well. Absolutely, man. He's probably one of the biggest reasons I accepted his job. You know, having a principal that um, is supportive of the athletic program, supportive of every program. It could be ROTC. He's constantly tweeting and posting pictures of, yeah. of former students doing great things here at Blunt. Uh, so, I mean, what better guy to work for? And, you know, Lee asked the question about who throws the ball the best on campus. A lot of people don't know Mr. Wood is probably the best quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback on this campus. So uh, it's good to have a, a boss that supports athletics. It's great to have a boss that's a former quarterback and see the game in the same vision that you do. So I'm excited to be here. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Um, and, and I'm anxious to get to Saturday night. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I've seen that man officiate basketball. Do not cross that man, uh, period. <laughs> and period. No doubt about it. Uh, quickly before we let you go, what 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 can we expect from your team when they uh, when when they uh, kick off the season, man? What 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 kind of look are we going to see from the offense as well and, and the defense? Uh, I want to be physical. Uh, we talk every day about being physical, being organized, being disciplined. Uh, we think the way we train, the way we work out, to have us uh, conditioned. Uh, but we want to show discipline. Um, we we want to be aggressive offensively. We want to be physical on defense and, and rally to the football. Um, and want to be solid on special teams. Again, the rebrand is all about taking anything that was said or deemed negative about Blunt uh, High School as it relates to football and making it a positive. You know, people say we wasn't great in special teams, so we're going to try to make special teams one of our strong suits. People say Blunt couldn't score in the last two years, so we're going to try to make offense a strong suit. People say Blunt's had a great defense traditionally. We're going to try to keep that tradition going and run it to the football and create turnovers. So uh, we're excited. Um, I hope people enjoy the game Saturday night. hope they see a physical matchup. Um, two disciplined football teams, two well-conditioned football teams, uh, two coaching staffs that are showing passion uh, and excited to be out there um, pouring into young men. And I know it's going to be an exciting game, and hopefully the Leopards come out on top. Coach, love it, man. Uh, wish you the best of luck. We'll be in touch. Have a great week. All right. Thank you guys for having us. All right. He's pumped. I like it. We had a winner yet on the uh, Chick-fil-A question, uh, Michael? Elvis. My man. Elvis getting it done. The answer was Aaron Murray. That seems like that would be a question Elvis would know. That, that that makes sense. Congrats, Elvis. Good seeing you, by the way, over at Heroes the other day. Uh, appreciate you coming by. Oh, I really enjoyed the conversation I had. I don't. He brought up, as I said, he brought up a lot of things in my past that I don't remember. So it's nice to have somebody there to tell me to document what I did, yeah. to document what I did and didn't do. All right. Well, maybe we need to share some of those stories on the air, Elvis. Give us a call a little bit later. We're going to come back, uh, wrap up hour number uh, one, just like that. Uh, David Green set to join us. Travis Ryer will kick off hour number two, which also includes Ross Jackson on Saints. Uh, we're scheduled for Ronnie Brown in hour number three and Richie Riley. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. Some interesting, uh, by the way, if you're betting Alabama, saw some interesting stats. You talked about uh, some stuff earlier with college football. Saw some things about Alabama that might catch your eye and this whole Spain thing. President of soccer just... Loose lips and chips. Yeah, just just kissing his players on an international stage. And apparently, he didn't have a problem with it. I think he was the, the only one. female did. Yeah, she was... Yeah. Gonna miss him being the president. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff.
Hi, this is Monty Burke, author of Saban, The Making of a Coach. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Welcome back in. Wrapping up hour number one, the opening kickoff. Bar Lee and Bronner all in the studios of WNSP. All right, when you hear L.A. Law, Lower Alabama Law, you know what that means. David Green of the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. By the way, and I want to congratulate David and our good friends at uh, the uh, law firm. They will be one of our title sponsors for the Pigskin Pete postgame show coming up on Friday. And, David, I know you do have a lot of love for high school football in this area, so appreciate you coming aboard for that. But today we uh, talk about risks for teenage drivers and what goes into that and when do they need to call you? Well, I'll tell you this, uh, and thank you for for asking that. You know, we have had teenage drivers. Uh, We now have uh, young adult drivers, and we have one that's coming up that's uh, very close to getting his permit. And so I think the discussion with your child could be now when you have a child that's 13, 14, 15 years old, certainly 15 years old if they're getting their learner's permit. But there are just so many things that kids just do not know. They all, you know, they, they come up and they, they think they know a lot, but they really know a little less than, or a lot less than what you think, what they think they know. And, you know, having discussions at the dinner table of sitting down and explaining, you know, the rules of the road, uh, things of that, that, that type of thing, um, you know, driving, uh, you know, don't drive with your, your radio blaring, um, do not try to drive, and then use your, your cell phone. Uh, there's just a lot of rules and, and things that, that children need to understand. One of the things that we did, and I developed this uh, with my friend Ashley Rich, our former district attorney, um, and that is a contract that we had our children sign. And so we, we list out things that they have to do and things they, they're, they're certainly not going to do. They, and they have to understand that if you break those rules, um, our rules out of our household, which are fairly strict, then you're not going to drive. And so you've really got to sit down and talk to your child. Uh, we can share that. We've got it on our website. Glad to share it with anyone that would like to have it and plug in their own personal rules along with the rules that we have out of our household. But it's super important to have rules and guidelines about, you know, when they're going to drive, how they're going to do it, and uh, just uh, really paying attention to the rules uh, that are out there. Uh, they're out there for a reason, and they can they can, can be a really bad situation. You've got a bunch of kids riding in a car and playing loud music and you know, snatching the wheel around, and folks can really get hurt seriously. And we've seen that a lot over the years, and we're, we want to prevent folks from getting injured. David, I know that your firm obviously very well versed in injury cases. However, let's say teenagers, even young adults or just regular adults get involved in a DUI. Do you handle cases like that? Well, we're, we don't represent individuals that have been involved in that type of thing. We're, we're the ones that will be uh, prosecuting a case against you. Now, that, we're not, not working for the state. We're prosecuting a case for money damages and injuries that are caused. And so if you're if you're one of those individuals, then perhaps we would be on the other side of a case. But we want to prevent these things. We want folks not to drink and drive. Um, gosh, you know, there's plenty of work out there. 
for for people to do. We're not uh, trying for these, uh, wanting these things to happen, but when they do, uh, families need to talk to a personal injury law firm like the lawyers at Green and Phillips. There are a lot of great law firms here in Mobile that do this type of thing, but we represent individuals who have been injured as a result of someone's negligence. And uh, gosh, if you're drinking and driving, you don't need to be doing that, obviously. And uh, that can be a really, really bad thing for everyone involved if that does occur. So the safety contract, um, is this something that's area-wide or is just, you know, you want to get into more on that, this contract with Ashley Rich? Is that just your family or everywhere? Well, you know, I know Ashley developed it, uh, you know, for, for her own family. And um, and so then I actually uh, got a copy of it and she shared it with me, and then, of course, I developed it uh, for something. That's I've had it for a number of years. We had it for our – when Jay Green was 16, we had it, and he's 22. So we've had it for a while, but it's been out there. There are a lot of families that have chosen to use it, but I just recommend it. And that way the child knows what the rules are, and there's no, there's no discussion if they break the rules. You can say, well, you know, you agreed to this, and Mom and Dad agreed to put gas in your car or to help you put gas in your car if you're working or – whatever it is and so at least we have an understanding rather than just you know having something verbally and the child wants to kind of uh develop it that's best for them you know how, how i know my, my children all do that i'm not sure if others do it but my mind try to like try to twist things a little bit that, that work best for them and so um you want to you want to have an understanding with your child that here are the rules and i just think actually did a great job with with what she did with uh, for her daughter, and uh, and so I think that that's something that, that worked for us, and it can work for others. We're glad to share. It doesn't cost a thing to, to get it, and uh, we're glad to, glad to email it to anybody, and they can put their plug their own information into it, but it's just an understanding that you have with your child, and I think it makes a huge difference. So they understand that mom and dad are watching. There are a lot of other people watching, too. David, thanks for joining us. Hope you have time to listen to Pigskin Pete's uh, high school preview tonight from 6 to 8. We're going to carry that show. We'll check in with you next Tuesday. And uh, how can people, what's the number to reach uh, uh, Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm? It's very simple. You can call us at 251-300-2000. Stop by the Mobile office at 51 North Florida Street in Midtown Mobile or the Forbes Building in downtown Birmingham. Hey, man, we always appreciate you coming aboard. Have a great week. We'll be in touch. All right, guys. God bless. Have a great week. It's David right. Green, ladies and gentlemen. You were mentioning about Alabama and some betting lines or something? Or something. And uh, that is me that I'm um, trying to stall so I can get those uh, numbers in front of me here. We were talking about Auburn. Uh, according to ESPN, uh, they have this rating system on every game. And, and every day, uh, Saturday down south rates each team's schedule and, and how they're favored or what percent. You know how that – do they have a 90% chance of winning or so forth? Uh, and I mentioned this earlier, and this is going to lead to this. I was kind of surprised to see that Auburn, with all the talk and the, the, the optimism that this ESPN rating system has Auburn favored, heavily favored for only six games and not even the California game. They do for Texas A&M, but certainly not for Arkansas, Georgia, and Alabama, which if that held true, let's say it went by that rating system, they would only finish at 6-6 six and six this year. Yeah, so when we do our picks, there's always people are like always complaining that we pick Alabama to win. Well, the last time Alabama was a home underdog at home 
was 2007. To who? Do you know? LSU. And they lost that game 41-34. That was 2007. I mean, do that quick math. I don't think I can. That was, what, 16 years ago? Six, think 16 years ago was the last time they were a home underdog. And it doesn't really look like they're going to be a home dog again anytime soon. They have been favored in 104 straight home games. And when you look at the home schedule, it doesn't look like Vegas is going to have them as a dog in anything coming up. Now, granted, the home schedule is going to be a lot different from year to year than the away schedule, right? But um, they've won 98 of those 104 games outright. All right? Just straight up. Now, against the spread, it's a little different. They only win 52.9% of the time. See, Bronner's got a big smile on his face because now I'm talking his language. So They were bad against the spread last year. So they're year. 55, but in there's 104 games in which they've been favored since 2007 at home. They've won 55 of them against the spread, and uh, they lost 48, and that there was one push. Mm. All I'm saying is, don't be surprised when people like us or people around the country and they're doing their picks, they pick Alabama to win at home. That's why. They just don't lose at home. Do you know? Now, against the spread, it's a little different. Yeah, I was just curious. The, the one game that obviously has got the lion's share of attention is the Texas game. I don't doubt that Alabama will be the favorite, but I'm curious how much. Is it less um, than a touchdown? or Because there's so much talk about Texas this year. I think... Let me let me check to see if there's odds on that. Uh, and we know they'll be a heavy favorite against Middle Tennessee, and that's where you run into problems, because let's say they go seven and a half. It opened. It looks like it's about at six and a half now. Um, so it's moved a little bit. So they're favored, but as you pointed out, you asked about a, a touchdown. It's moved. Um, See, those games, to me, if if I was betting, which I don't, and I never have, but that would be easier game for me to pick than like a Middle Tennessee game. Michael, what do you think about that? Because you're more into that than I am. But <laughs> Because you get these like 30 and 35-point spreads, yeah, and it's so impossible to figure out if they're going to run the score up. I think it's like 39 against Middle Tennessee, something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are those are kind of traps for, for opponents like that. I do you stay away from games G like that? General advice would be to stay away. The unders are interesting for a game like that because it, it makes you think like, oh, like, do, do you think Alabama's going to shut out the opponent? If you, if you think they're going to hold no points, well, you know, maybe maybe an over under is a good thing to bet there. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to really judge whether Alabama is going to beat Middle Tennessee State by thirty nine points or not. We don't know what who's going to stay in there at quarterback. We we don't know. A lot of things about Alabama. Sure. I would feel at this point today better if I was betting on the Alabama Texas game than I would about Alabama Middle Tennessee. Well, I don't I'll think it's a question. It. Of, I don't think it's a question of whether they can or not, or depending on who's on quarterback. What a game like it's. It's do they want to beat them by thirty nine or not? It's really what it comes down to. Yeah, but if you like change quarterbacks, normally aren't you just saying just hand the ball off? Just hand the ball yeah, off. But in the they need quarter. reps. They need reps. All right, Travis Ryer. Well, that's Travis Ryer. He's coming up next. What a quinky dink. Hour number two. Stay with us.
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Boom, hour number two. Time flies when you're having fun or, you know, when Lee and Bronner are bickering back and forth. That's uh, fun we, too. we smoked the peace pipe during the break. What? Yeah. What's the drug policy around here? Yeah, it was here? great. We're all good. <laughs> it's all right. Wow. Could change in the next 15 minutes. I hope but you did at least 15 feet from that door. I'm going to have to. Oh, I won't, I won't go in there during the show. He's, he's, he's one of these guys that does not want interference. I have a process, you know. You know, you're not the only person in the state that has a process, I heard. Well, it goes with the territory. Yeah. yeah. He's a he's a, a student. He's a student of the, of the, the GOAT. Of the board op game. Yeah. All right, some of the headlines. Uh, well, Jim Harbaugh, if you're not bored by it now, apparently he's going to sit out the first three games. It was supposed to be four. NCAA reneged on a negotiation bit, so the school is self-imposed. They'll still investigate. Greg Sankey says this 12-team college football format needs to be reexamined when it takes effect in 2024 because of the Pac-12 at that point will be down to four teams, if in fact it even exists. And he's talking about which teams qualify and get the automatic bids and so forth. Um, as far as basketball, uh, LeBaron Filan's name is in the news. Ben Thomas reporting that the LeBaron now has Alabama on his list of four. Uh, as you know, he left Baker to go to Link Academy in Missouri. And so it goes with Cincinnati, Kansas, and also Ole Miss. To that we bring in from, help me out, on three. Am I right? Huh? Travis, may I apologize in advance? Travis Ryer, Bama Online. I know that. I know that. Good morning, Travis. How are you today? I'm great. Is this uh, which station I'm on? Oh, you're uh, on uh, NSP and Mobile. That's there. right. What did, okay. What, okay, did I screw it up? W, it's, it's only been, it's only been 20 years or so, right? That's Lee? true. So WNSP, I think. Yeah, yeah I think that's right. You changed with the wind, like most people do. So you're with now. On three. Yep. Hey, I did get it right. Help, yeah. help. All right, so give me credit. The confidence in which you you, well, you yeah. declared it was overwhelming. Yeah, kind of like it was kind of like I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like okay, Travis, is this correct? Let's be like Nick Saban. Should I start, Milbro? Yeah, let's do it. Should I let's start, it, Simpson? Am I sure about this? Would you take away from Saturday? Yeah, you know, you just you you, you gather some intel and. Uh, based on how things played out at quarterback, and Nick talked about it post scrimmage, all the guys got an opportunity. Sounds like it was a pretty good day for the quarterbacks for the most part. Did a good job of taking care of the football, and uh, each of the five that are on scholarship um, did some good things. Now, opportunities were uh, interesting to watch play out because it sounds like Jalen Milrose. Uh, involvement was essentially with the first team offense so to take away from that you would think uh, he's in a good spot at least going into middle Tennessee week at the, uh, as far as the depth chart is concerned but I, I still don't think you can discount 
candidacies from Ty Simpson, maybe even Tyler Buckner, because uh, there were good things that were uh, coming from that scrimmage in relation to the Notre Dame transfer as well. And you know, Dylan Lonergan is the true freshman that a lot of people have talked more and more about over the last week or two. And so um, kind of how this thing plays out in the first month of the season um, could could go a number of different ways. Although, you know, Jalen may take it and, and run with it and kind of lead the, the rest of that crew uh you know, wondering who's going to be the next guy up. You know, that's interesting about this, and it's it plays out. It's so much fun to talk about for us because after the spring, I kind of got the uh, feeling that maybe it was Ty Simpson, and then when Buckner transfers, then you get, oh, well, he's he's uh, Reese's guy, so he's coming in, so he'll be the starter. And nobody mentioned Jalen Milrow until about two weeks ago, Mark. We had somebody on from Pro Football Focus, and he's the first one who actually – suggested that Milrow will be starting that first game against Middle Tennessee. But in, in the long and the short of it, Travis, does it really matter? Because I'm sure there'll be one quarter, they will be more than one quarterback for Alabama in that game. Yeah, I would think we'll see multiple guys um, in terms of uh, even when the game is, is still on the line, uh, you would think. And Nick hadn't been a big two-quarterback guy, though. Now, that doesn't mean he hasn't made changes at the position, as we've seen in some previous seasons. Um, and they did play multiple guys, obviously, in that 2016 season opener against USC because uh, they opened with Blake Barnett, but it was ultimately – uh, Jalen Hurts, who came in and kind of took the job over from there. So a couple of different ways this thing could go. Um, you, know, you get the sense that they sort of came out of spring uh, into the summer and, and preseason, uh, you know, kind of in that same order. Jalen and Ty, and then you add in Tyler Buckner and wanted to see how it would play out from there. And uh, I don't know if any one of the three guys really took the job by the throat or has to this point. Uh, so when you consider it from that perspective, it would make sense that you know, Jalen Milrow would be the first guy out there. He's Travis Ryer, Bama Online, on three, right here on WNSP. Uh, help me out here. Nick Saban in the press conference, Travis, really, I feel like he's, I don't know if struggling is the right word, but He's, he, he appears to be struggling to find leaders. And I, the only reason I bring that up is because he, he, he made it a point, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, don't stand up and think you're a leader uh, when you're really not doing the things you need to do to be a leader. So I almost get the sense that there are guys trying to be that vocal guy, but maybe not doing the things that he wants them to do. Yeah, I mean, they obviously have opportunities in that area because – a year ago at this time, you pretty much looked at that team and said, well, you got Bryce Young, you got Will Anderson, you got guys like Henry Toa the leadership boxes are checked. And um, with this team, uh, with the change at quarterback, you start there. And then uh, the offensive line, uh, you had some departures as well. So uh, you consider that area defensively, again, the same type of thing. And um, so there's opportunities. But it does sound like guys like Seth McLaughlin, uh, at the center position, then um, you get on the defensive side of the ball, and you know you're looking for some of those veterans that you did bring back, like Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, maybe Dallas Turner, uh, some of those guys to step forward. But as a team in general, uh, that was one of the things that you wondered about this group too, going into the preseason was who would take over those roles? Would J.C. Latham? step up in that regard. You've got some veterans in that backfield. Roydell Williams, 
Jason McClellan that can give you some of that. So, you know, even from a specialist perspective, Will Reichard, uh, I know you think, well, he's just a kicker, but there may not be a more valuable player on this team, or certainly in terms of positive uh, off-season news, his return was, was up there near the top. So it can come from various guys in various areas of the team. Let me ask you about Caleb Downs because I'm hearing his name. Now, obviously, with the quarterback uh, drama going on, you don't hear about some of the other players. But this is the incoming freshman, and, and is he going to be starting in the secondary for Alabama? Is he that good? It looks like it, and uh, we saw it even in the spring as an early enrollee. You know, it's a little bit surprising in that a guy at his position appeared entrenched in the 8-8 game as a starter. You know, you still got some questions on the back end of that defense, but. His role doesn't seem to be one. If there is a question with Caleb Downs, it's exactly how he'll be used. Will he be strictly at the safety position? Uh, when they go to the dime package, will they also use him at the money? Um, he has proven to be capable of, of handling multiple roles, and that's why you've heard, I think, the pretty consistent comparison drawn to Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, Minka could play corner, too. I, I don't know if Caleb is a, a corner type, but – uh, as far as just adaptability and intelligence and being able to take it from the playbook and the meeting room to the field, uh, he seems to have that ability, especially as a young, young player. So, absolutely, I think Caleb Downs is the guy you're going to see out there. He's Travis Ryer. He joins us here on WNSP. We were having some fun. We saw some numbers uh, when it comes to Alabama and Vegas. I'm not telling you you don't already know, but – they have been favored in 104 straight home games going all the way back to 2007. Man, wrap your head around that one. Yeah, I mean, especially when you consider the 2019 LSU game Yeah, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, that's the one that kind of stands out to me uh, over that stretch. And uh, I guess you could even go back to 2011 LSU and Tuscaloosa and that game of the century uh, that, that was – uh, played there at Bryant-Denny. So it is a staggering number, no doubt. And and for those that wonder if Vegas is more right than they are wrong, I can assure you they are. So a Alabama won 98 of those 104 games outright, Travis. But against the spread, they're only 52.9%. They only won 52.9% of the time. How crazy. That, wow. that might be even more telling. Yeah, and I think that Texas game is going to be an interesting one yep. from that perspective. You know, I think that's what you're probably pointing toward in week two uh, because it feels like the the belief in Texas yeah. continues to surge. And uh, with Alabama, uh, you know, it's it's Nick Saban. And that's, if you're betting on Alabama uh, on September 9th, you're, that's pretty much what you're, you're siding with because there are still um, a lot of questions about this team. There's not questions, however, about talent. And, um, you know, again, that the, the, the Nick Saban factor uh, from the Alabama side of the money in that game I think will be very big. Let me ask you, Travis, uh, is the talent and everything else included, is it possible for an undefeated regular season? Is it, do you see that in the wind? It's possible. I don't project it myself. I don't think this is a team that'll go unscathed over the 12 games. That's, you know, it's it's not an easy schedule, despite the fact that uh, this team does get out, uh, gets Texas at home, uh, gets Tennessee at home, gets LSU at home. Uh, that's that's huge. Um, 
but there are still some some games maybe not talked about as much. You know, we, we talk so much about Texas, but we don't say a lot about Texas A&M on the road, you know, early October. So, um, you know, there are some potential pitfalls, I think. And so, uh, no, I, right now I don't see it as a 12-0 and team heading to Atlanta. Uh, talent-wise, is it is it talented enough to do it? Yeah, I think so. Um, but it's still, as we've seen in so many years that, that Alabama's had this kind of talent under Nick Saban, um, it's still something that hasn't happened maybe as often as people would have thought. Would you – I look at Texas A&M as bipolar. I just – I can't figure out because some people say they're going to be the most improved team. Some people say that for Fisher, he's on the hot seat. Then you got that dilemma offensive of who's calling the plays and everything. I don't. I'm not sure I see this team being that vastly improved. Do you? Well, I think again, you go back to talent um, for Texas A&M, and it it looks like they are going to be very talented. Now, will they have the depth maybe of an Alabama? I don't know about that, but I know on their defensive line alone, I think they have four or five former five-star recruits that's just on the defensive line and you know Connor Wiegman is a heck of a talent at the quarterback position uh, he's going to have plenty of weapons around him at the wide receiver spots it's an experienced offensive line coming back uh, I know there are concerns about the Jimbo Petrino dynamic um, you know, I think as long as everything is is going pretty well uh, that that shouldn't be a problem uh, if things don't go so well let's say Maybe A&M drops a game like to Arkansas in Arlington fairly early in the season. That, you know, where does it go from there? That's, that's the thing I think most folks are going to have their eyes and uh, sort of ears turned to uh, with A&M, more so than roster talent or you know, those type of things, because I, I think they're capable from that standpoint. Hey, Travis, we got to run, but uh, what are you looking forward to most, the Urban Meyer Netflix doc that drops today or Bishop Sycamore that drops the next day on HBO Max? Oh, I already saw the, you know, I saw the, uh, I saw the Florida one in real time. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm actually Bishop Sycamore. Yeah. That's just amazing. Uh, that, that should be very fascinating. No doubt. Hey, uh, thanks for the time, man. Tell everybody how they can follow your coverage of all things Alabama as we uh, get closer and closer to kickoff. Just go to BamaOnline.com. We're ready. Uh, we got football season, obviously, upon us, and recruiting never stops. So be sure to come hang out with us at BOL. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Uh, school board traffic and weather are next. We'll see if we can catch up with uh, David McCurry at, uh, over at LCM Motorcars and LCMMotorcars.com. Ross Jackson on the Saints coming up as well at 730. Uh, in hour number three, we're expected to be joined by former Auburn uh, running back, now with the uh, Sports Network, Ronnie Brown and Richie Riley. It's a Tuesday. Appreciate you hanging with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, my name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 105.5. Kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. 
David McCurry, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com joins us here on WNSP. We're getting close to football season and football, trucks, I don't know what goes better. Well, if you're not tailgating in a motorhome, you're tailgating in a pickup truck. You know, we got plenty of pickup trucks. We bought a um, 17 Ram yesterday. Uh, it's a Laramie Crew Cab, which uh, if you're familiar with the Rams, the Crew Cabs are really big. And um, it's got the Ram toolboxes on the side of the bed where you can open those up, put beverages in them, or you can store tools in them, whichever you choose. But it's a white truck with... Um, Camel interior, and um, it's very, very nice, 107,000 miles. We got a couple of four-wheel drive Fords and a couple of four-wheel drive um, GMCs and two-wheel drive stuff. So we got plenty of things. Come see us. You know, David, there's always a reason, right, other than the fact that you just need a car. We got, we got football season, so if you need a good tailgating vehicle, come see David McCrary. Man, you got kids going to college. You got kids starting school. They need their own ride. You got, you got shapes and models and makes of all sizes that you can come and check check out right there on the lot speaking about um kids going to college kids going to school people trying to buy their cars you know it's been so hot here lately yeah. there hasn't been a lot of people out shopping so there's still a lot of people out looking for cars for their um kids going to college or high school and we've got a bunch of those vehicles nice gas savers very small utility vehicles we've got some big utility vehicles and some really nice cars so um toyota camrys and whatnot if y'all want to come see us we've got we've got the inventory we just need to get the customers out there all right tell them when and where they should uh they should meet you sir we're on Highway 90 at Plantation Road in Theodore. It's one mile south of I-10, exit 15A. You can give us a call at 251-375-0068 or go to the website, like Mark said, lcmmotorcars.com. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Have a great week. Thanks for everything. You too, bud. That's Dave McCurry, LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com. Also, not only on their website, check out their social media, Facebook. They're constantly putting uh, photos of updated inventory out there. Go by and see them. they got a great setup, uh, very friendly. They don't necessarily try to sell you a car as much as they help you buy one. There's a huge difference. So I recommend go check them out, LCM Motorcars. All right, coming up, um, we're going to talk some Saints. Ross Jackson. Hurricane couldn't beat him. Chargers couldn't beat him. Throw in an earthquake, don't matter. Took care of business. Invincible. Is that the word? Invincible? I mean, I don't want to jump the gun here, but uh, it's a good yes. thing they, It's a good thing they weren't playing yesterday. Uh, rain really uh, deluged the Dodgers stadium. They had to postpone the Angels game, so the tropical storm uh, really came down hard yesterday, but the Saints were able to play their game, and Ross, who is back from uh, Englewood, California, will join us. Now, he was supposed to be on yesterday, but the alarm didn't go off. All right, so we got a, we got a busy... Uh, man, we... I think we had a guest in like Eight consecutive. That might be a record. We are yeah. crazy busy here on a on a Tuesday. Everybody, that's a good thing. Everybody wants to talk to you, Mark. Is that what it is? That's what it is. All right, then. No, that's what they say. I want to be on with Mark. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Me and, me and Ronnie are like that. Are you? Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. All right. Stay with us. Plenty left. We'll see. <laughs> Handed to Miller. Right up the gut, and he's in. Touchdown, New Orleans. All right, 732, boys and girls. Thanks for hanging with us on a busy Tuesday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Braun are all in the studios of WNSP. Uh, we hope we'll be hearing that a lot this year. Mark, touchdown, Saints. 
Hope we'll be hearing from Ross Jackson, which I pretty much guarantee we will during the course of the season. Ross with um, Crescent City Sports just got back. I get well. Let me ask Ross. When did you get back from Englewood, uh, California, Ross? I actually came back the night before the game on Saturday, uh, which was originally the schedule. The hurricane, of course, helped with that decision, but uh, I would have been fine to, to stick it through what ended up being basically just a big rainstorm there. But uh, I came back ahead of the game after attending the two joint practices, and then John, my colleague over at Saints News Network, stayed for the game. Wait a second, then. And here I was giving you the benefit of the doubt, thinking you came back early morning Sunday. When you blew us off. Oh, no. Now I'm not. <laughs> hey, oh, no. You had a whole day up, to recover. I, just up with, you know, I got in about midnight, 1 a.m. that night before, uh, and then just, you know, it just it just didn't work for me Monday morning. I apologize for that. <laughs> I'm teasing you. You know, Ross, I'm only teasing you. Here I oh, thought, of course, of course. I thought I was worried about you with the earthquake. I was worried about you with the <laughs> tropical storm. I was worried about the team. So uh, let me ask you this. Would it – what came besides the win, which is great? What came out of this as far as personnel changes, cuts, things like that for the Saints? Yeah, I think there are a couple of players that did themselves a lot of favors. I think one of them is the guy that you played the clip of scoring a touchdown as he came in from the break there, running back Kendra Miller. I, I think one of the biggest question marks that everyone had around him was is he going to be a guy that can work in the passing game? He had something like 29 or so. Uh, receptions during his time over at TCU. Was he going to be able to be somebody that can get involved in the passing game out of the backfield? Then you saw that beautiful wheel route down the left sideline, the diving contested catch. Those are all things that should put you uh, a little bit at ease if you were concerned about that as a Saints fan. Um, another guy that really helped himself out big time was linebacker Jalen Smith. I thought he played a, a really fantastic game, even beyond the pass breakup that we saw him make towards the left sideline. Uh, you know, his ability to read the play flow, react to offensive linemen in the direction that they're pulling as opposed to waiting to see where the running back is going in the run game allowed him to get ahead of a couple of plays. So I thought that he had a really fantastic game. And a couple other players that helped themselves would be guys like Trevor Penning, uh, Shaq Davis, uh, and, you know, there are a couple others in there as well. But those are kind of the biggest highlights for me. Oh, and, of course, quarterback, rookie quarterback Jake Hayner, who I thought you know, had a really nice performance in his uh, – was it 11 of 17 uh, on the day uh, performance? So really good stuff from the young quarterback there. So I would think that you got more out of the scrimmages since you stuck around for that. Did Derek Carr play much in the scrimmages, and, and did he do well? Yeah, he played a ton in the scrimmages, as did most of the starters. Um, usually when we you know, go to Saints practices, which the Saints will practice this afternoon around 2.45 uh, or so, so we'll, we'll be there for that, but... Um, usually when the Saints do their, do their practices, they'll run, you know, maybe some seven-on-sevens. Uh, they might do a one-on-one drill or a two-on-two drill, and they'll kind of do their own thing. And then they'll run maybe three team drills, which are the ones where you have the entire offense going up against the entire defense on the field. And so usually at most you see about three of those series. And those series usually include a first-team set, and then a second team set here recently as they've been focusing on getting Derek Carr and, and Jameis Winston ready for the season. When we were in Costa Mesa, they ran five of those sets. <laughs> and so each of these quarter and, and, and oftentimes in each of those periods, the two quarterbacks would rotate. So you would have two team reps for the first string guy and then two team reps for the second string guy, and that would be one period. And so each of these starting quarterbacks in Derek Carr as well as Justin Herbert in both of these days, Thursday and Friday, saw about seven team reps, about seven drives 
all to themselves in each of those days, so about 14 over the two. And that's a huge amount of work to see for the starting quarterbacks and uh, the unit that they'll, that they'll be uh, playing with throughout the 2023 season. So I thought that that was really, really valuable information to see. I thought Derek Carr handled himself pretty well. You know, had a couple of dangerous throws, had one of them picked off by Derwin James. Second day was much better for him than the first day, uh, but that's usually the, the case when it comes to during practices on offense. And so I thought that, you know, you can just see kind of the calm nature and the ability to be able to handle adversity and bounce back when it comes to uh, Derek Carr, which I think is my biggest takeaway from those joint practices. Ross Jackson's our guest here on WNSP. All right, let me ask you about a couple of plays uh, when you're speaking of quarterbacks uh, against the Chargers. One, uh, all right, Jameis Winston, I thought, had some actually some really good balls during the game, but then kind of like old Jameis reared his ugly head, right? So they get the one down the middle at the end of the half with, with about 20 seconds. So there's about nine seconds left. I get you're taking a shot. But dude threw in a quadruple coverage, Ross. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the brand when it comes to Jameis Winston, right, is is that, you know, he do some things really, really well, and then all of a sudden does something that kind of makes you, like, turn your head a little bit. Uh, and that's still who Jameis is. That's one of the reasons why Jameis is no longer the starting quarterback uh, in, in New Orleans. And as much of a fan as I have been of, you know, watching Jameis's game and, you know, how much, you know, I, I understand how much people want to see him succeed in the NFL. It's, it, it's things like that that kind of get in the way. Um, and, and I'm with you. I understand you're taking a shot downfield. And if you're going to take a shot, you might as well take one to Shaq Davis, the big six-foot-five guy. Uh, but if there's four guys over there, then there's probably something else for you to look at over <laughs> the other side of the field. Uh, yeah. And so it's just kind of, you know, those little things, right? Those little decision-making things have been kind of a, the big question mark and concern around Jameis. Um, those aren't going to go away. Those aren't going to change or anything like that. It's just about can you manage them. And, and thankfully the Saints, they no longer have to be worried about living or dying by that. It's just do you go to that if you need to pass Derek Carr. And that's a much better position, I think, yeah. that the team would like to be in. Now, with that said, uh, to open the third quarter, Hayner, I think, got into trouble, rolled right, extended to play, his receiver turned up, and he threw a dot. Uh, I, I was, I thought that was probably one of his, if not his, best play of the game. Yeah, I thought that was a really good throw and a really good moment for uh, for Jake Hayner. It was also a great moment for John Trey Kirk. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit of the difference between uh, the, the Jameis play that we're discussing and then discussing the Jake Hayner play kind of back-to-back makes it sound like, you know, I want to be careful of the comparison there because sure. with Jake, the receivers had every inch of field to work with. Um, you know, in that Jameis situation, we're talking about, you know, a pass that came from a 19-yard line, and so not really a lot of, that sort of improv opportunity and opportunity to get to working out of structure. But for Jake, there was a lot of that space. There was a lot of that opportunity. And for, for John Trey Kirkland, there was a lot of space and a lot of that opportunity. Both of them made good on that. Uh, I do like very much what we saw from Jake Hayner. This version of Jake Hayner against the Chargers was a lot closer to the version that we've seen throughout training camp than the one that we saw against the Chiefs. Uh, and I think that that's good news for New Orleans. This is a guy that you want to be kind of a backup quarterback for you for the you know foreseeable future. And I think everything that you're seeing from Jake Hayner is that he can be uh, a better than serviceable backup, but maybe a guy that can come in and, you know, if needed to be a spot starter for you in 2024, 2025, that he might be able to pull that off. Talking with Ross Jackson at Crescent City Sports, do you think Jimmy Graham will survive the roster and make the uh, 53-man roster in lieu of the fact that they have so many other tight ends and in lieu of what happened over the weekend? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is he okay? Uh, and is he going to be able to continue to play? I think that that's going to be the first and foremost decision-making factor when it comes to that. 
you know, um, he's going through a lot of medical tests, um, you know, as they move forward. They don't know exactly when he's going to return to football. We don't really know if he's going to return to football. Uh, and so that decision might end up being made for him, depending upon what his condition is. Uh, if it was indeed a seizure, um, you know, they're going to do a lot of tests and try to figure out, is this a guy that's got, you know, epilepsy versus is this, you know, a one-off situation? And those two things are going to have very different consequences now. There are, you know, NFL players that also have epilepsy that have continued to play, but not many of them are 36 years old, uh, and maybe that will end up having a factor. So we'll have to wait and see, sort of, how the um, how the you know diagnosis around all this goes as, as they get more information about what sort of was the catalyst for the experience that he had in the medical emergency that he suffered while he was in Costa Mesa. Uh, but if if all of that looks good, and if all that is was you know just kind of this odd one-off, which does happen with seizures. Um, that to me means that he would be back on the football field. And if he's back on the football field, I think he makes the roster. How there's been any tight end so far that has operated at such a high volume behind uh, Juwan Johnson and behind Foster Moreau that would keep him off the roster. And I expect that they would keep three tight ends plus Taysom Hill. And so I think that you know, Jimmy would probably be that third tight end there. Do you think down the road that the NFL will do away with these exhibition games and just go with the scrimmages because we seem to see more more and more on the scrimmages that take place. Granted, the uh, Saints and Texans aren't going to have theirs, but I'm just curious now if they'll add these as regular season games and just have scrimmages during the week getting ready for the season. Uh, I think that you're pretty close to that. I mean, I think that the NFL has already shown you that they kind of want to weed out the preseason. They reduced it by adding an additional uh, regular season game and then reduce the uh, the preseason to three games. There's already plans for, you know, in the near future to start having conversations around reducing down to two preseason games and potentially adding an 18th uh, NFL regular season game. And so uh, I, I do think that you're kind of leaning towards that uh, or, 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 or barreling towards that, if you will, uh, if you're in the NFL already. And I think that what would probably happen is that if you ever got down to just two exhibition games, two preseason games, you'd probably see two sets of joint practices that are a part of that uh, week for each of these teams as well so that they can actually get some, some good work in in a controlled environment and then with their starters and then go into the preseason games with the guys that are fighting for roster spots and then get a look at them in live action. Do you want to take a look ahead? You know, there's going to be roster cuts coming up. Uh, some of the players that are on the verge uh, either way, making this team or not, because pretty much the roster was set prior to the exhibition but uh, is there a player or two that has a chance to make the Saints team and do something this year? Yeah, I think uh, two of them on the offensive side in particular stick out. Uh, undrafted free agent wide receiver Shaq Davis, uh, who has been more and more impressive uh, each week. Uh, he had a really solid week out in Costa Mesa practicing against the Chargers. Followed it up with um, a, a good performance uh, against the Chargers in the preseason game. I think he's somebody that's working himself into position. I don't think he's there quite yet, but I think another great game against the uh, the Houston Texans or another really solid week of practices could potentially move the needle for him. But if nothing else, uh, I think he's done enough to kind of guarantee himself a practice squad spot uh, as he seems like the type of player that you would be able to slip through waivers and then get to your practice squad. Um, additionally, on the offensive side, I would say um, uh, I think a guy that maybe no one really expected to be in this conversation, but is now in this conversation as a player that can make the roster is undrafted free agent running back um, uh, Ellis Merriweather out of UMass. Um, every time that we've seen this guy get the ball, he's 
falling forward. He's picking up extra yards. He keeps his legs turning. He's got good ball security. He's got good sense in terms of where he's holding the ball and good vision, all these other things. And he shows you that he can get you read in the passing game. Uh, the Saints are going to need a third running back behind Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller while Kamara is suspended. And Daryl Williams can be that guy. But Ellis Merriweather is certainly making a case for himself as well. And I think that uh, over on the defensive side, the guy that I think really sewed up Barasa spot for himself already, and I think will probably be in a situation where he might not even see him against the Houston Texans this, this upcoming weekend, uh, might be linebacker Jalen Smith. Uh, I highlighted him as a guy that stood out earlier. I, I really like what he's done so far. The Saints wanted that coverage linebacker behind Demario Davis and Pete Warner. Didn't have it. Uh, went out and found it, I think, in, uh, in, in Jalen Smith. Ross, great stuff, man. We always appreciate you coming aboard. Now, maybe you can help settle a discussion we're having in the app now. People are curious to know exactly what you were pouring into your glass there when we started. Uh, there, was a, uh, there was a suggestion that it could have been a Bloody Mary. I want you to know this is a judgment-free zone, Ross, so feel free to speak freely. Yeah, if it wasn't a Tuesday, Bloody Mary definitely would have been in the cards, <laughs> if not a mimosa. But this morning, it's simply coffee. <laughs> simply coffee. Well, I mean, you know, that that's... That's interesting, too, I guess. Uh, <laughs> tell, tell everybody how they can continue to follow your coverage of the Saints as they continue through their preseason. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you, as always. Yeah, you can catch everything uh, in terms of the Locked on Saints podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all the written work as well over at CCS Daily as well as Saints News Network, which is Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can find that at saints.media wherever you are. Guys, I appreciate you so much. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Yeah, enjoy that quote-unquote coffee. Yeah, yeah, I will enjoy my <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Appreciate it, Ross. Thank you. All right, we are um, wrapping up hour number two. Next, we're going to catch up with Michael Holland. Ronnie Brown scheduled to join us at the top of the hour. Richie Riley in hour number three as well. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. The opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. Again, the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Braun are here in the studios of WNSP. Whenever we get very close to high school football, we get very close to Brian Bank and our good friend Michael Holland, who on many occasions joins the Piglets out covering high school football. Michael, good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Lee. Good morning, Mark. You still planning to cover games for us on Friday nights? Say that one more time, Lee. Uh, Mark, I, I should say, uh, Michael, who's the market president for Bryant Bank, are you still planning to cover some games for us on Friday night? I am, Lee. In fact, I'll be at the uh, St. Paul's UMS game uh, this Friday night. Fantastic. Uh, we know it'll get first-class coverage, thanks to you. All right, so well, let's go over some of the things uh, that we welcome Bryant Bank this week and all through the high school season as to how you'll be involved with our coverage. Thanks, Lee. Uh, as you know, this year we will continue to be uh, the High School Player of the Week sponsor. Bryant Bank will once again do that. It all starts this Friday night uh, with high school games. Once the games are over, here's an opportunity for your listeners to participate. Uh, if they were at a game or listening to a game, call into the show and talk about an outstanding performance that you might have witnessed. Uh, turn in that player's name and his or his stats. 
and then Ken can consider that player for the player of the week. On Monday, we'll enter the player coach. On Tuesday, I'll be back. We'll have a bad for the week. Tuesday, Wednesday, the coach's prep, I'll be on King delivering that or his along check to the all starts over next Friday. Hey, Michael, we were having some problems. Fun. You want to just quickly repeat that? We were losing you in and out. So, again, let's start. Friday, the player of the week. Should we just retire Ryan Williams' name? Because last year it seemed like he could have won it every week. So, <laughs> should we set that aside? Uh, I'm sure he'll win it at least once this week. But after that, on Monday and Tuesday, what are we doing? On Monday, you'll interview the player's coach. On Tuesday, I'll be on the air with you with a banking tip of the week. And then I'll be on campus delivering that player his plaque, his Bryant Bank Player of the Week plaque, and a check to the school. You know, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you've been uh, with us oh, forever, Michael, uh, and I appreciate that. And the Player of the Week concept was basically conceived by you, so it's become very popular. I always like listening to Pigskin Pete late at night when they get together and decide who that Player of the Week is. So, uh Many, many thanks. Look forward to having you back with us next Tuesday. Uh, and I'll have a tip for you and your listeners next Tuesday. But as a reminder, if you're at a ball game this Friday night, call in on Friday night, 694-1055, and tell Pigskin the great performance that you witnessed at that ball game. All right, before I let you go, how many locations for Bryant Bank in this immediate area? Yeah, thank you, Lee. We have three locations in Baldwin County. We're in Daphne, Foley, and Orange Beach. And in Mobile, we're on Airport Boulevard, uh, just west of the Chick-fil-A. You do a great job for high school sports. Many thanks. Talk to you later. Have a good one, Lee. Uh, so we had somebody that say uh, uh, earlier this morning, before we came on the air, the, the app, he couldn't get any programming, which is not, I mean, it's it's all good now, but... He kind of realized that he didn't have a single radio in his house to listen. Um, and so what is it that we don't have today that we couldn't live without 20 or 30 years ago? Telephone. We don't, even, we don't even use today. Telephone? No, we use telephones all the time. I mean, they're cell phones. Well, that's what I mean. Cell phone. I'm talking about a regular like a house desk phone. telephone. Yeah. There's one sitting in the... Uh, there's one sitting right there in the studio. Wow. It's got a cord on it and everything. Yeah. I had to beg my parents for years to get rid of the house phone because 99 times out of the house phone, if you'd get a call, it'd be, you know, it's a scam caller yep. or I had whatever. Um, yep. We had three telephones, uh, such as we're talking about, not these kind of telephones, Mark, but they were in the house as of Sunday. They're all gone. We had some youngsters come to our house with the family they were invited over they got a hold of these phones and took them home with them they oh. asked me if they could have them i said sure we don't use them uh in the in the app beepers ice trays cordless house phones house phones got a couple votes so um beepers were just never so had one never had i never one. had one but in, in retrospect, beepers were so ridiculous. Like, basically, you were calling somebody to tell you. You weren't calling them, but you were basically contacting them to tell you to call you instead of just being able to call somebody. It's just you look back on it, and everybody used to walk around like they were the. Can't use the word, but I knew guys that used to walk around beepers like they owned the world because simply because they had a beeper. You know what else used to drive me nuts? Um, 
and I never had them, but those clip-ons for your phones, so they were on your belt, the cell phone clip-ons, oh, <sighs> drove me nuts. VCR, print out directions. Actually, you don't do that anymore, do you? You don't print out your directions. Like go to MapQuest and like print them out on a piece of paper? No, but I have gone to AAA to, to get my, uh, if I'm going somewhere I'm unfamiliar with, I do like the uh, the trip that it's planned. I would actually prefer to do that rather than listen to that voice come on. Google Maps? Oh, or, I can't. No, or the one in the car. Turn left. Turn right. Nope, yeah, yeah, nope. yeah. Yeah, I can't stand that. So I would rather just be looking at, okay, what's written out for me on uh, AAA. They usually uh, do my trips for me. Rabbit ears on TVs. Walkman. Used to love me a Walkman. Uh, actual roadmaps. No one needs a roadmap anymore. Nobody needs a roadmap. You just plug it in the old GPS and let, let it do its thing. And listen to the. What about radar detectors? Do y'all ever have radar detectors? I've been in cars with them, but I've never had one. I used to have one in college. Did it work? Yeah. Did you ever get stopped and the stupid thing didn't work? Uh, I never got stopped because. No, not with the radar detector. No. Um, I've been in cars. When I was up in Canton, it wasn't mine, but it was the car we were driving in that did a fabulous job of picking up yeah. where officers were on the highway we were on. They, they really did a great job. Uh, camera film. Film rolls used to put in the camera to get developed. iPods make the list. I had an iPod. Those were good times. Oh, I had the... Uh, I had the Bronner, you might be too young. To I had a CD player that you had to plug into the cigarette lighter of your car, and you could play CDs in your car. That was before they had CD players in cars. <laughs> yeah, this whole conversation is a bit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I still have a. I think my fam my parents still have a working eight track at the house. Not that we ever use it. I think there were some BGs and some Michael Jackson Thriller and some Fame. I don't know what I did. Billy with Joel, mine. I think, were some eight tracks I had. I had have. a bunch of those, but I I gave them away. But I don't know where I gave them away to. Yeah. All right, I was just curious. It was a good question. We didn't get a chance to get to earlier, and you guys have uh, certainly hit the ball out of the park on this one. Got have you had much feedback on the uh, Spanish soccer official kissing the star player during the ceremony? Uh, no, not, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Right, um, just curious. Oh, so someone said they had a CD player with a had a cassette tape with a wire. I said, yeah, I had those too. I had those too. But you couldn't you couldn't hit a bump because your CD would would skip. The good old days, Bronner. Oh my. Yeah. And then you always had if you were if you had the tape deck, you'd need the pencil in case the, the tape would. You'd have to wind the tape back up. Uh, yeah. So. Lee had mentioned uh, during the World Cup when Spain, the women's uh, national team, was was uh, celebrating their win, the Spanish soccer president, is that who it was, literally grabbed one of the players and kissed her on the lips. He downplayed it. She took issue, and then later he had to apologize, but doesn't really see the problem. But literally, he's not like he didn't just lean in and give her a peck on the cheek or on the lips, he. You, there are pictures of him where he's grabbed her by the back of the head and basically, like, forced... I mean, I, you can get charged for less, I'm pretty sure. In this day and age, yes. But my question is, if the roles were reversed, if the president was a female and the soccer player was a male, 
Would we? You think would the, the male would have reached around and the, grabbed the female? Would the reaction be quite the same from people watching? I don't know. There's I only think one so. way to find out. I think so. I think the reaction would have been well, I just similar. Said, the guy's nuts. Like, what was he? What was he even thinking? Did he brush his teeth? Can imagine her on the field after what ninety minutes? <sighs> A checkbook, record player, we newspaper. Still have, we still have checkbooks. We do. Oh, I do. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, it's 8.04, hour number three. Uh, you guys have continued magazines, typewriters, CD players, phone booth, phone book, fax machines. All things that we needed 20 or 30 years ago that we don't even use today. How about that? I do have a stereo, by the way, in my garage. No lie. Turntable, tape deck with a CD player connected. Still works. I don't know about the turntable because I don't have anything to play it on. But, yeah. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. We've been uh, talking about the possibility of talking with Ronnie Brown, the uh, great Auburn running back who had a very, very good NFL career, sideline reporter on the Auburn Radio Network. And it's my pleasure now to introduce him. Ronnie, welcome to WNSP's opening kickoff. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. How you doing this morning? I got to thank you very much for calling. I really appreciate it. Back in your day when you were running back and forth with Carnell and Brandon Jacobs and everything. I thought that was one of the, the best backfields ever at Auburn. Maybe is equivalent to when they had Andrews, Cribs, and Brooks, the three that made it to the NFL. What about your backfield these days now up at Auburn? I mean, I think there's a lot of talent. You know, when you talk about Jarquez Hunter and Damari Austin and, you know, Brian, you know, I think there's a lot of talent there. Um Mark that group. I think the good part about it, they challenge each other, but more importantly, they support each other. You know, and so you know, I think that's the balance of it. It's like, hey, man, going in and having a healthy competition amongst guys, but also knowing that, you know, we support each other. At the end of the day, it's doing what's best for the team, and that may be, you know, being in different situations and being able, being willing to do different things. And so, I think all of those young men, they're very talented, but I think just, you know, from a character wise, I think and support and being a good teammate I've only heard great things about them I wanted to ask you this and we'll get more to the Auburn uh, football team in a second but when you left Auburn to go into the NFL did you ever think that you and Cadillac and Jason Campbell would be all together Jason now doing the commentary you doing the sideline and Cadillac on the sideline that you guys would be all reunited you know it's it's funny how life works out you know I don't think any of us uh, would have thought about that especially you know, when we were at Auburn, um, you know, we were just trying to enjoy our time, which all of us had the goals of playing on and beyond in the NFL. But, you know, I think once, you know, I was playing in the NFL and beyond college, but, you know, we didn't know where those paths would lead us to following that. You know, I know I didn't for sure. 
uh, you know, from a post-career perspective, um, wasn't sure, you know, what that looked like. It was all just kind of, you know, trust and faith um, and just trying to figure it out. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm excited that it's taken us. You know, but I think, too, the other part is we have great relationships. Like Carnell and I and Jason and I, Jason and I were roommates in college. You know, Carnell and I were very close. You know, we stayed together on uh, trips. And so um, it, those relationships have stayed intact. And so, you know, it's... It's surprising, but it's not surprising in some ways that we all ended up back together in some capacity. And I think we were all, you know, I think had a soft spot for Auburn and what we were able to grow into as young men and, you know, what Auburn did for us. I think it was important for us to always, you know, be willing to give back as well. He's Ronnie Brown. He joins us here on WNSP. All right, so how different of a feel is it now – August 22nd, as we get ready for the season opener, compared to this time last year, or is it different? Does it have a different feel? Well, I mean, I think there's a little bit more excitement. If you ask, you know, the fan base, uh, what's swirling around, you know, I think from a recruiting standpoint, um, getting, you know, commitments and getting guys excited about coming to Auburn, I think there's an excitement around that, you know, but I think also there's some sense of, uh, normalcy in the sense of, okay, what do we expect? You know, and I think that's, you know, how how much do we expect out of this year and not putting, you know, too much pressure on coaching staff, on the players, um, you know, and even, you know, amongst a, a fan base. You know, I think it's great to have high expectations, but you also have to be realistic in that. Um, I think Hugh and his staff have done a great job of, you know, I think drawing talent, um, going out, building relationships. I think they've done that really well, but it's also – you know, the rubber has to meet the road when the games start, you know, and so getting those expectations to um, go over into, you know, to play and put that into action. And so, you know, there's still some, you know, I think some anxiety a little bit of, you know, what is it to expect? I'm excited about the excitement, though, um, and people, you know, supporting, and I think you hear ticket sales and all of those things. So I think it's a, a really good opportunity. All right, Auburn's been basically criticized in the past for not having a very good offensive line and not being as strong in the trenches as some other SEC programs. They brought in a lot of newcomers, Ronnie. From what you've seen in practice and so forth, does it look like they do have a a good SEC offensive line? Well, I haven't seen much. I went to um, two weeks ago. I didn't go this past Saturday to a scrimmage. Um, actually wanted to go down and just kind of watch practice a little bit um, and just kind of get an idea, you know, for myself, you know, because I kind of look at it to, to some degree like when I played, um, you know, in that capacity, you know, in those evaluations. It's just a little bit different. You know, when you're doing a scrimmage, that's one thing. But to see like day-to-day guys work ethic, work, know when it comes to practice there is no you know reward at the end of the day like you know when you scrimmaging you you're motivated to beat the guy crossing you but when you're working on your craft it's a little bit different um and so i'm excited to go down and check those guys out but the emphasis that you know he was had on that position bringing in guys getting all these guys come in you know that are able to play you know i think that's the, that's a big thing um you know because like you said it's been criticized in the past you know with offensive line play and the importance of the trenches in this league um is so vital to the success of an offense um you know and you can have great skill players but you know it all starts in that offensive and defensive line and being able to move the line of scrimmage and so i think that's a positive thing and i think we've taken some steps in the right direction 
Ronnie Brown's our guest here on WNSP. All right, Ronnie, uh, take us back a little bit. We have uh, the guy that you that just called you. He's a huge New England Patriots fan. He heard you were going to be on. He he had night terrors last night. He's sweating right now. I think you just scored again uh, against the Patriots. Uh, do you have any words that might be able to uh, calm him or perhaps get over these these psychological episodes he's having? Hey man, I think at the end of the day, you can just rest on the Lord that I don't have any championship. And so <laughs> I think the New England Patriots have that covered. So I think he should be able to sleep well knowing that. Does that, does that help you in, in any way, Bronner? Yeah, I'm going to sleep well tonight. Thank you, Ronnie. Yeah. Ronnie's just no here to make everybody else feel help. better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We also got a question in the app, Ronnie. You know, anytime we're going to have you on or we talk Carnell or Jason, uh, the year 2004 comes up. Uh, our listeners want to know, is there any team out there that could have beat you all? Not in my mind. Um, and it goes beyond our talent. Like, you know, and I tell people, I felt like, you know, our 2003 team may have been the most talented. Um, but it's just like life, man. I think the, the relationship that we had inside that locker room, the way we got close to one another, the way we learned each other outside of football, um, I think that's what made that team special. Um, and I say it all the time. You know, I think the support um, that we created, the camaraderie, uh, that was the difference maker for that team. Um, we supported, we believed um, in each other, and it was the results were the results. Um, you know, and I don't think there was an ever a discouraging moment where, you know, somebody we didn't feel good about you know the situation we were in at any point during that season and you know when you go out yeah of course you always want to win every game but to be in that position we weren't even thinking about it it was just one game at a time um we got a mission we got a goal and you know we got to go through the week and prepare for that and so there was accountability on all fronts um from everyone to make sure that we were doing what we were supposed to do but also we were accountable to our teammates so i felt like we could have beat anybody that year you know and i of course you're always going to hear teams to say that but you know the, i just think the talent that we had mixed with the belief that we had in each other um beyond the field uh that was the difference maker you know from a faith standpoint from a you know, work standpoint, um, I think that team, that group embodied, you know, what we are at Auburn University, hardworking guys, you know, we believe in work, hard work, like it embodied every piece of, you know, what Auburn stands for, um, you know, and the Auburn creed. So I think that was the difference maker. Ronnie Brown, sideline reporter for the Auburn Radio Network, of course, gearing up for game one against the University of Massachusetts. And, Ronnie, I mentioned uh, back in your day with Cadillac, Smith, who had a great game in the Iron Bowl, uh, Brandon Jacobs, who actually went on, I know, to transfer to Southern Illinois. But the one running back I didn't mention is somebody we covered from this area, and I've known him for quite some time. And I want to get your recollection of Brandon Johnson. Uh, hypothetically speaking, if you were ever in a street fight, would he be your first choice to be your bodyguard? <laughs> He'd definitely be in that mix. I promise you that. Um, you know, probably one of the toughest football players that I've ever played with, but even more than that, like the most unselfish individual, you know, willing to go in, put his body on the line, you know, sacrifice his body for someone else to have success. You know, you don't see that too often and it's a few guys you know that you I think each, each guy could probably name a teammate like that if you play football but he embodied that like that's just who he was um, you know wasn't worried about 
receiving any praise or any of that stuff. Like he went out, he did his job. Um, the way that he did his job was important to him. Um, and so, you know, when you get a guy like that, you know, that motivates you behind him knowing, hey, man, I know this guy's going to put everything on the line, so I got to be accountable to him because I know he's going to do that. And, you know, when you get teammates like that and you start believing that in each other and then it, it just elevates your level of play and elevates your uh, will and want to, um, that, that thing becomes strong and that becomes contagious. And let me ask you, tell us uh, what you're doing these days besides working Saturdays for the Auburn Radio Network. What keeps you busy? Yeah, so besides that, um, you know, I think my profession now is, you know, as a financial advisor, um, you know, I work with individuals and families trying to prepare strategic financial plans to helpfully help them achieve um, financial success or financial freedom. Um, And then outside of that, Daddy Uber, uh, I have a 10-year-old son who plays I coach his football team, but we do football with the Auburn Tigers. So coach his football team, then he plays basketball, he plays soccer, and he plays um, baseball. And then I have a seven-year-old daughter who does dance, gymnastics, and um, soccer as well. And so they keep me busy. They keep me busy. And then, you know, being a family man, so i um, got a lot of hats, well, <laughs> you know, and try to do a lot of jobs as, as well as possible. You and Carnell went, I think, in the top five of the draft. What do you think about the devaluation these days of the running back in the NFL? Um, well, I think it's unfortunate. One, because that's probably the most physical position on the football field. I mean, obviously, you got a lineman that pretty much hits someone every play, but at least they know where the hit's coming from uh, more times than not. For running back, you just don't know where that may come from. And so understanding the job description uh, and the challenge that comes along with it, along with the longevity, um, it's unfortunate to see that, you know, you aren't appreciated. Um, and I think that's how a lot of guys feel because it's like, man, I'm going, I'm willing to put my body on the line. And, yes, it's a well-paying job, but also to be valued where you are amongst 11 other guys or, you know, I guess when you include the kickers and everyone, you know, to include that group. But we're at the bottom of the totem pole, um, given the need and the necessity of the position. And even when you look amongst the teams that win uh, the championships, like, you know, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is great and he does great things, but I think you take Pacheco's success off of that team, I don't know if they win the championship. And so I think you can go back and look at the team that won championships They've been multi-dimensional uh, in their approach. They've been able to have success in the running game, even with New England teams. Like you know, they keep a stable of running backs where, you know, they got a Kevin Falk type who can go in the slot and go catch some passes. Um, then they usually have a big body guy. Then they got a guy that's a little bit shifty. So they keep a stable of running backs. And so to see the position be devalued, um, it's unfortunate. And I think there's some you know, solutions to that. Um, being a former running back, but you know, I just don't know that you know. It's as valued as it should be or appreciated um, and understanding you know, the importance of it. I know it's cool to see the ball go down the field and one-hand catches and all of that stuff, but that, without that element of the game, um, success is limited because there's not so many. There's only a few elite quarterbacks in the NFL, like guys that can carry an organization on their back. Yeah, you got great players. If you want to get to championships, there's been teams that have been chasing. You know, my one of my former teams, the Dolphins, we've been chasing, you know, that thing since Dan Marino. And so the importance of that position is really important, but you also have to have the guys around them. 
Uh, is is your son wearing number twenty three? He's got to be wearing number twenty three, right? He's wearing twenty three, but this year they didn't order twenty three jerseys. So what? I think he said he may wear. He wore twenty two last year. Um, yeah, um, and then we're either going to be two or twenty two this year. Man, that team needs a financial advisor to raise enough funds to order number twenty three, Ronnie. And I thought every team was supposed to have a twenty three and a one. Like most teams have those two numbers. I. I can't argue that. I, I, I don't know, man. Can you imagine the Chicago Bulls without 23? Yeah. Hey, uh, Ronnie, always great catching up with you. We really do appreciate it. Uh, hang on. I'm checking Twitter. Hey, Bronner, uh, Ronnie Brown just scored again on your Patriots, by the way. We'll, we'll keep you updated throughout the course of the show. Hey, uh, Ronnie, it, have a great season, man. We'll do it again soon. All right. Thank you so much. You guys have a great day. That's Ronnie Brown. All right, traffic and weather here? Yeah, let's do traffic and weather. We went a little long. You guys can uh, react, jump in. The topic uh, that seemed to have taken off there was, what is it that we couldn't live without 20 or 30 years ago that we have no use for today? There's a lot of them. Someone said an old school pencil sharpener. (laughs) There's some people that still use old school pencils. Might find one around here. I have one right back there in my uh, office. AOL. Someone said uh, there was a day where you could get internet through the mail. They used to send you the CD-ROM with free free month subscription or whatever, and you used to load it up to your computer. CompuServe, AOL. Those were the good old days. Stay with us. Plenty left. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP. from the guys over here. I like it. Hey, Lee. Good morning. <laughs> uh, you guys can jump in. 694-1055. Braun are mixing it up. I like it. I like it. We need to mix it up a little bit. Go home and use my record player again. <clears throat> that was Lee's request, by the way. Oh, okay. You, you a Bond jersey guy? Yes. He was actually, uh, when I left New Jersey, I think he was... <laughs> 12? Probably. <laughs> Are you familiar with Sayreville, Michael? Sayreville. New Jersey. We covered that area. I think that's where he actually grew up. He was in that area we covered, but I didn't know him, of course. Hmm. Okay. Um, we hung out a time or two. All right, so we we need to we need to mix it up. See, the pro- we need to mix up the different genres of music, though different time frames right so i think we have a good collection here of this is where we're versatile mm. lee's got the oldies but goldies right um you're you're i'm sure you're recent with all your hip-hop yeah you got me all pegged. your hippity hop you got me pegged wrong there no i'm probably more into that kind of stuff than you are yeah music, music wise i was born in the wrong generation well, so what generation would you have been born in uh maybe like the 70s Okay. It All really right. depends. I listen to a lot of different stuff. Though. So are we going to get a little Bee Gees at some point? Sure. 
You like the BGS very much so. <laughs> I liked them more so right, before mind. they went disco. I okay. was more into them before they went disco. As you mentioned, that eight track. Yeah. I did have a Bee Gees eight track. Uh, disco Bee Gees coming up. So we're no, not no, no, no. We got my so favorite coming up at eight thirty. So we're not gonna get any little baby or young money or or yeah, any, nothing like that. Nothing. I'm out of luck. I'll just have to get that from the kids when I get back to the house. All right, fair enough. Okay. The hippity hop. The hippity I know, hop. I know a little bit of hippity hop. I, I think I, I I have a little pretty Travis Scott little sicko mode. Y'all play that. In the, y'all play that in the afternoon. Yeah. I got a pretty wide music knowledge base. Okay. I mean, you can ask Corey. We drove six hours up to Nashville. I shuffle my library. It goes from one song to another. Wild genre switches on my playlist. Yeah. Did he shut any of it off, or he? Well, it's, my, it. it's my car. I'm driving. He has no oh, choice. Oh, you know? so there you go. Driver so picks the music. Was it just the two of you in the car? Or? It was. All right. Yeah, so he didn't have a choice. Yeah, no, nah, right. he was played it excessively loud, or I mean, roll the window down, get you know, to the uh, street light, let everybody hear it. If if you're asking my dad, he might say the music is too loud. But <laughs> oh, my dad said the same <laughs> thing, Michael. We we had conflicts in the car all the time. He wanted yeah. to play his big band music, and me, I wanted Elvis. Uh, who else did at that time that? Um, <laughs> These dang kids. Yeah, the fifties, the fifties music. I wanted to hear the rock and roll, and yeah. he was more. He was the old Sunday, school. Monday, happy days. Nah, that came <laughs> a little later. That came a little later. A little run around Sue. Yes. There Del you Sh- go. Del Shannon. That's actually a pretty good little tune right Del- there. Del Shannon. Yeah. I don't know who sings it or who sung it. I think it was Del Shannon. Yeah. Yaggy yag, don't talk back. <laughs> uh, Ricky Riley's next. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. In the opening kickoff, Mark, Lee, Braun are all in the studios of WNSP. Let's talk some uh, basketball now with uh, Richie Riley of the South Alabama Jags. Richie, first of all, thanks again for coming out last Thursday. You really boosted our ratings. I really appreciate it. It's good to see you again, my friend. That's, that's good to hear. I enjoyed it. It's always a pleasure being on with you guys, getting to come out there and do it in person. and See a lot of great people around our city that's um, – that's a really good time for me, so I appreciate you guys having me. Before we talk some basketball, I do want to mention that this segment uh, brought to you by USA Athletics, reminding you to get tickets for the home opener September 9th. And the, it's been reported now that all JAG Saturday games will start at 4 p.m. Uh, the one exception, of course, Southern Miss is a Tuesday night, so obviously that's going to be a little bit later. And But the uh, home games on Saturday – at uh, 4 p.m. Help me out on this, Richie. Last year, they got to 10 wins in the regular season. Do they get to double digits this year? Yeah, I like your chances. Uh, yeah, I do. I think I think we'll be better. Um, 
I, I think last year was obviously we had, a, we had a really good team, but I think I think we'll be better. We return a lot of key pieces on both sides of the ball. Um, I think from a skill position standpoint, offensively, we're arguably the best in the league. Um, so I, I feel pretty good about it. I, also, I feel like the the nine con slate they have. I think Oklahoma State's a winnable game. Uh, you know, anytime you go to these big buy games and you play a Big Twelve team, you know it's hard to win. But I think it's a winnable game, just like UCLA was last year. I also think I think Tulane. You know, Tulane's top twenty five. They lost some key pieces off that magical team they had last year um, early. Uh, we got a lot of key guys returning, some veteran guys. So. I think I think we got a good chance to go in there um, next weekend and and win. So yeah, I think I think we can get there. Um, I know I know they're hungry to win a conference championship. So that's the goal, I'm sure. And um, I don't I don't see anybody on the schedule that we're not capable of beating. I think what's happening, and I as I look at this, is that the South cannot sneak up on anybody anymore. I, I, I they've been getting votes for the top. 25 but i just read yesterday i think it was athlon posted one through 31 131 you know the schools and again it's all preseason richie they had south alabama at number 27 they had auburn like about 42nd or 43rd and south alabama was ranked way ahead of many many schools including many in the sec so i don't think it's a question now that you know oh we're playing south alabama i don't know much about them i think people know about us yeah, I agree. I think I think the league um, has really catapulted up as far as respect goes and as far as rankings go. Um, I, I think it's the best group of five football league in the country, and I think we're arguably the best team in the league. You know, coming into the season, I mean, we got got us. Troy has some key people back. Uh, they obviously won it last year, going away. Um, and then you got your traditional powers of App State. Coastal Carolina has been really good for the last three to four years. I think James Madison will take another step. Uh, Marshall got probably the best, you know, on paper, maybe the best player in the in the league coming back. And Allie, the running back. Uh, so I mean, I think the league has has really stepped up. And, and you know, again, I think we're we're arguably the best team in our league. So. I think they, um, I think they're not going to sneak up on anybody for sure, especially after going out to UCLA. Almost won that last year. Um, just you know, I, I think it's, I think it's just like the parity in every sport now. I mean, I think, I think when you're at this level, I mean, the level of football that we're at, I think we can go into power five venues and win. And I'm sure Kane feels the same way. So I'm, I'm excited to. To see us the next weekend at Tulane, you know, a really good team. And then, you know, Oklahoma State a little bit after that. I know that they're taking, just like I do with my team, you're taking one game at a time. Obviously, there's games in between those two games. But uh, I'm excited to see our team. I can't wait to get out there and watch them, watch them live. He's Richie Riley, the South Alabama basketball coach. And if you missed him at Heroes with us, man, we, we were going to – I was going to make sure that Kane knew that he's got some – football play calling ability on campus other than major applewhite and we're talking to that guy right now what's what's the go-to uh bread and butter play on the old uh flag football team there coach yeah i had some studs so i could just like i was just swinging <laughs> all over the place um 
When it, when it comes to football, though, I, I am. I love I love offense basketball-wise. I've had to learn to love to coach defense a little better. And I got Coach Rock on my staff, who's an excellent defensive coach, so he takes a lot off my plate when it comes to, to defense. So I, I'm an offensive guy. It's like that in football, too. I really love to watch offensive football. Um, I think it's I think it's one of the coolest things. All the moving pieces, the different styles that you see. So if I was an offensive coordinator at at this level of football, I, I've told Kane this before we sit around and talked about it. Then then we're all about tempo. That spread tempo, real similar to what Tennessee does. Yeah. Really fast. Um I just I just think it's a cool way to play. And I think, you know, it, it obviously eliminate subs. I think when you're playing somebody like Alabama, you're playing somebody like Georgia, they, they, I mean, they're two to three deep at every position, so they just come at you in these waves, man, and they just wear you down. I think that spread helps to keep those guys off the field. And it kind of keeps you off balance, man. It, it doesn't give all these defensive coordinators that are really smart time to check, you know, check the alignment, check down, and do all the things they do. And um, I, I think that's how I would play. Well, I think you got to get some dudes to play like that, you know. But I've, I think I've proven I'm a pretty decent recruiter, so I think I think I could get enough dudes to be able to play like that. So that's what I would do. Yeah, we've had this conversation before, though. Do you enjoy these 52 to 49, where neither team can stop one another, and it's whoever has the ball at the last minute, where defense just takes a back seat, and these scores are they're generating over 100 points? Do you actually like games like that? I love them. Yeah, I love them. I, I love, I love to see the scoring. You know, there's certain teams out there, man, that when you watch them, they just score, and it's so fun to watch. Um, you know, Tennessee's one of those teams they can really score in a hurry, and you know, Oklahoma State's been that in the past. They weren't as good last year, but they they score a bunch, which is fun to watch. Uh, Oklahoma and. Lincoln Riley was there. It was so fun to watch scoring. Um, in in the group of five, you know, Western Kentucky, they score like crazy. It's kid Austin Reed. Uh, some of these teams, man, that play that tempo, they score a bunch of points. And it's funny. You know, we want to see good defense, too. I mean, I think I think that college football's got a big enough product where you can watch all of it. You know, if you want to see some grinded out, you watch Georgia. They're hard to score on. They're going to give you great mix running the ball. Same thing with Bama and some of these teams. But then you can tune in and watch watch some guys just flip that thing around, man, like, you know, the Tennessee's of the world. And so college football is a great product. I enjoy watching. I watch every level of football, too. It's kind of like basketball for me. I enjoy watching Sunbelt games and Conference USA games. And, you know, just like I enjoy watching, you know, the big-time primetime games of SEC or ACC or Big Ten. All right, so we're going to put that to the test because this week, as you probably already know, the uh, Netflix is dropping that Florida Gators untold doc today. And tomorrow, uh, Max, HBO Max, is dropping the Bishop Sycamore. It's called BS High. You remember the fictitious high school that got on ESPN and all that stuff? Which one you, which, if you only, if you could only watch one, which one are you watching? I'm watching the Gators one, even though uh, <laughs> social media, there's spoilers out there, and people are already, like, saying it's not what they thought it was going to be. But I'm still going to watch it. The Bishop Sycamore deal is hilarious. I watched the preview. I, I don't yeah. remember when it happened, but I watched the preview, and it's so funny. 
So I'm going to watch them both. But if I had to pick and could only watch one, then I'm watching the Gators. Those teams were legendary. You know, it's just so many different storylines within those teams. So I, I'm definitely watching that. But the beauty of these documentaries, though, is when they unleash it all. Yeah. And it's much better when the main characters are not on there because they're not going to let you unleash it all. You know, it's when they like when they did the Tiger documentary on HBO, he wasn't on there. So there's a lot of things in there he probably would not have approved of right, right. that we got to find out, which was cool. And it's like the worst thing about these things is like Urban Meyer and all these guys are on it. So you're not going to get what the viewers looking to get. I mean, we're looking for excitement, stuff we didn't know, some controversial things. It's like the last dance with Jordan being on there. Like, it's a fun watch, but you're not getting the real deal. He screened all that, so we're not we're getting his version of it. And nobody wants that. We want the real deal, right? We want the well, controversial they, part. They so. say untold, right? The untold. So that would certainly be the case. Let me ask you something, Richie, and this is going to change subject. This goes back to your playing days in basketball, high school basketball, okay? Um, I don't know. I, I assume you, you were a starter on your high school basketball team? Come on, Lee. You know that I was a starter. Man. All right, I knew that. I, just <laughs> put, look, I, player, I have to. Golly, Lee, all right. You, but in this he, day and age, okay, in this day and age, would you have even considered transferring – maybe in your junior or senior to one of these Oak Hill Academy schools or, or one of these schools where you basically was a resident of the school and that's pretty much all you did uh, and, and leave your high school team? Well, even though I was an all-state basketball player, that doesn't quite make me good enough for one of those schools to want me. But if, if they did want me, I, I don't think so. But I'm also, I grew up in Kentucky where high school basketball is king. And going to a state tournament, there's only 16 teams that get to go, and there's one state champion. So you grow up as a child in Kentucky, and that's that's life. You know, basketball's life, and getting a chance to play in Rupp Arena, where the University of Kentucky plays in front of 18 to 22,000 people, is is all you dream of. So I, I definitely would wouldn't have because that was that was my goal. You know, and just like every kid that grows up in Kentucky, it's what they're trying to do. But I get it where some of these different states, you know, where you're at and your situation, I get why some kids do it. But, yeah, I, I would not have. All I wanted to do was have a chance to play in a state tournament one day. All right, so so who's a better basketball player, Richie Riley or Nathan Valentine? Hey, I don't know how you know Nate Valentine, man. He's one of my best buddies. He coaches – Coaches at North Laurel, we were we were like a dynamic duo, man. I was, it was we were like Stockton and Malone. I was the point guard, and, <laughs> and he was the um, stretch four, could really shoot it. Um, he was a good player too, you know. So we were, we were like a dynamic duo. I don't know who was better, you know. Uh, you'd have to, you'd have to ask people from around where we're at, but we formed we formed a great team. All right. So. He's a heck of a high school coach too, up at North Laurel High School. He coached coached the kid Reed Shepard that's going to Kentucky, top twenty five kid in the country, McDonald's All American. He uh, he's a really good friend of mine. All right, in the uh, you won an overtime game, I think in the opening round of the Sweet Sixteen, by a single point, right over Campbell County. You remember this game? Yes, you're on it. You're you took a deep dive. Okay, so what was your what were your free throw numbers like that game? Do you remember how many he hit? 
I don't think I missed any. No, I was like 10 for 10 or something. You were 13 of 15. 13 of 15. You, I used to get to that line, man. Yeah, I, I, that's, I didn't know if you were getting, like, if you were getting Jordan treatment or they were legit calls. No, I was getting to that line. I wasn't the most athletic dude, but my skill set was really good, and and I played with a lot of IQ and toughness. So I was shot faking, playing off two feet, just like I I, I train our guys to do, um, and then getting fouled. You know, the cool part about that deal is we got to celebrate, right? Like we won a state championship because a kid put one in at the buzzer yeah. for us to win. Derek Coffey's actually worked. I think he worked Secret Service detail at the White House wow. like recently. He, he put he put one back in, and we got to run around celebrating for all those people just like the West State title. <laughs> and in the game we lost, the next one against Louisville Mail, one of the better high school teams to ever play in the state or number one state. And um, we were leading going into the fourth. So when you're when you're a mountain like Southeastern Kentucky team, and you're leading a Louisville team, a big city team with the whole the whole arena gets behind you other than their fans. So it was it was really cool. We couldn't hang on, but it was it was a heck of a ride. Mail high, that was like one of the powerhouses in those days, right? Back when, Louisville? Yeah, they were number one. They had they had a guy that started at Louisville, another guy started Creighton, another guy played in the NFL for years, Michael Bush played at yeah. Louisville, uh, played for the Raiders in the NFL for long. They were loaded. So we were we were leading going into the fourth and ran out of gas. But today you step it to the line. You're beating any one of your current Jag players at the free throw line, right? Yeah, I can. I can still make free throws, even though I don't get up a lot of jumpers anymore. That's like that's like riding a bike. I can step to the free throw line, and I could at least give you ninety out of a hundred. Wow. Right, we'll have to put that to the test. All right. Well, what if I, what if I counter not with one of your Jags, but what if I put Jess on the line? Who's who's winning that free throw contest? Definitely me. She's like Rondo. She doesn't really. She, she's she's a better player than me. Like, but she's not. She doesn't. She like doesn't she, she's 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 more Rondo. Um, elite passer, great finisher at the rim, crazy speed, unbelievable handle, super tough, knows how to play. But when it came to when it comes to shooting the ball, that's that's probably the only thing on the court that I'm better at her that I was better at her hat. It was, it was ability to shoot. That wasn't her strong suit. Since I haven't been to your practices, how do you emulate free throw shooting in practice trying to – you can't really duplicate what you're going to get in the game, but do you do any specific measures to make it a little more, let's say, disruptive for your uh, free throw shooters in practice so they, they kind of get the uh, flavor of it? We don't add any music or it's loud or fake band noise or anything but we do shoot them game like you know everybody's lined up there's nobody in the lane or underneath the basket and then if we're really struggling at the line i've done this a couple times since i've been a head coach here is i'll make our guys get you know on a sunday or something we're not really going to practice we're just getting up shots and you know getting a lift in and shooting free throws i'll make our guys get in the exact put their uniforms on exactly what they're going to wear in a game and they got to you know make 100 free throws like that and that's proven to work if you like when i've done it it's helped us i think it just kind of changes the focus and you know they're dressed like if they wear an arm sleeve in a game they wear an arm sleeve there they wear their real uniform and and we shoot free throws that way 
Hey, we got to run, but I got a bunch of questions from our listeners in the app we don't have time to get to, but I'll ask you one of them. Somebody, one of them wants to know, Robbie wants to know, when was the last time you took Jess to Arby's? The last time we went to Arby's, listen, you said <laughs> Robbie, right? Yeah. Listen, Robbie, it's, I wish I wish we could start a campaign to get her to go to Arby's. So when we first met, we used to go to, you know, Arby's, McDonald's, Wendy's, all this. And she she changed it up on me, man. She Everything's organic. Everything is, you know, and I still eat the same. Probably why I look like I do and she looks like she does. But she um, she won't hardly go, man. So when I get home, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell her that I got a request from Robbie yeah. that we go to Arby. So maybe I can get a date night out of it, just like our first date. Yeah, well, we— I don't know. There's no promises. I got, I'll have to really convince her, but— yeah. Um, well, I'm going to push for it because I love Arby's. I could eat Arby's like every other day. Well, I guess we enjoyed having you as a weekly guest, Richie. Uh, it sounds like she's going to put the kibosh on that if you if you walk in with that Arby's request. But we, you can you can only ask. <laughs> you can only find out. Hey, man, we got to run. Thank you as always. Enjoyed it, guys. Yep. All right. One final segment. It'll be a short one. Closing ceremonies. We'll give you a sneak peek into tomorrow's show. And, of course, uh, you can jump in if we have a minute or so. It's the opening kickoff. And who knows what Bronner's going to end with. Does he go off script with a music selection? Only one way to find out. No pressure. Stay with us. Hey there, this is Bob Baumauer, ex-jock, head fry cook, and I listen to 105.5 WNSP, Mobile, Alabama. The internal struggle in Bronner was real. Does he go off script? Does he defy Shrevenian a second time today? I really wanted to. Eugene, did you really? I did. We're supposed to meet after the show. Don't you want to start off on a good (laughs) note? By the way, I always eat, most of the time, eat my lunch by myself anyway. I I also like this song, I like this song a lot. And two, I think it's a nice way to close out the show. And I I wouldn't have, but then Mark said, oh, off script, blah, blah, blah. So it entered my head. Michael, when I um, used to hang out at the Jersey Shore, Back when sounds like a reality show, and, and the uh, right exactly, Snooky wasn't there, thankfully. Yeah. So anyway, the uh, group. Oh, stop! You're disappointed. The group that I used to listen to used to, the the band that they played, they used to play this song, and they'd always say like Eagles, but the place was so noisy. I always thought they used to say Beatles instead of Eagles. Of course, I found out that that wasn't the case because I never really related this song to the Beatles. But mm. uh, anyway, this became one of my all-time favorites because of the way they sang it down there at the uh, Jimmy Burns nightclub. You ever I hear it? S- no. No, I've never been to the Jimmy Burns nightclub. Maybe next time. <laughs> I don't know if it exists anymore, but it was back <laughs> what, when. Whatever, whatever it's there now. Yeah, I like I like Eagles. I, I love the Beatles, so, you know, can't go wrong with either. Nothing like a house band to get it revved up. I used sure. to love their phrase, the more you drink, the better we sound. Now, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, what's cooking for tomorrow? Just got word that Keith Goleman from the South Alabama Jags will join us early, first hour. 
All right. We're going to talk to my good friend Ryan Green, a follow-up on the Netflix on the Florida Gators. Of yeah. course, he not only followed Urban Meyer when he was with the Gators and also with the Jacksonville Jags. I, I don't believe he was one of uh, Urban Meyer's favorites or vice versa, vice versa. Chris Stewart, Alabama Radio Network. I've heard of him. Yeah. So, uh, Oh, and Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers. Uh, and so to um, to uh, Bronner's point the other day, it looks like there are four episodes uh, to Swamp Kings, the Gators documentary. Oh, I was right. Yes, which wow. is I got to be honest, a little frustrating because I got I, I I got things to do. I I don't have I'm gonna I'm gonna have to watch all them right, let's, all. Let's all make a commitment to watch the first episode today. Well, can we do all four? Well, I mean, we could, but that's just it. Like, I, 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 I can't can. get backed up on this stuff, man. I got to get it all done because Bishop Sycamore comes out on Wednesday, and then we're doing the whole high school game days on Thursday and Friday. Life is tough. I know the requirement today is one. I don't that's know. What I liked about that's why in. I like the whole Manzel thing, man. It was a one shot, boom, done. This is there's more to cover. This is a commitment. I know verbal commitments are non-bonding, but man. Well, Manzel was only there what two two years whereas urban meyer was five right five or six at florida yeah two championships it's a lot of layers here like peeling back an onion michael mm. good job on the board today wow thank you lee you just play a little music he likes and everything's <laughs> right with the world <laughs> check off all his audio got off to a slow start but finished strong mm. i thought it was a fast start it's a marathon, not a sprint, boys. Three hours. All right, that does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. For Mr. Michael Bronner and Lee Shervani, and I'm Mark Heim. We will do it again tomorrow at 6. Appreciate you taking part. Until then, see ya!